You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, what's going on, man? Well, definitely better than yesterday when I had to encounter some weird food, but doing all right. How are... I just want to tell everybody, yeah. <laughs> we went to this WBLI uh, extravaganza, this, uh, I guess... Uh, the morning show, Psych and Allie were there, and I wanted to introduce myself. I put a video out there kind of t- to introduce myself all over WBLI for the morning show. They really, really liked it. So I went with Speedy. We wanted to go and check out the food at this event, and we wanted to meet these guys. We wanted to meet uh, Psych and Allie, and uh, they got there late, and when they got there, uh, we were we were standing around. Then we d- we decided we were waiting for them to move around and try to get away from all the people. Because by the way, we the we were the youngest people there. There, I think the average age group there was about sixty years old. Yep. <laughs> so Speedy, being that he's twenty six, going to be twenty seven. He was the youngest, and Psych and Alley, they're they're I guess they're in middle age. They're around my age, and then there's me who's forty years old. I was probably the second youngest person. In that whole facility, okay? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess they were trying to get together old singles because it was singles want to mingle night oh. over there. So I guess, Yeah, that sounds about right. I guess you got to be 60 to 65 years old to get in. <laughs> what is this, the uh, last uh, chance single mingle? I don't want to put the food down over there, but the food was horrible. I, I I will say that we I had chicken fingers I I love I like checking out chicken fingers and and their dipping sauce they usually have honey mustard and they make they usually make their own honey mustard the honey mustard was horrible I didn't even give Speedy the honey mustard because I don't even would, like honey mustard you so. probably would have threw up and, and but the chicken fingers weren't even cooked right. And then uh, we ordered the, what, what? What did we order? We ordered a, an appetizer sampler that yes. consisted of mozzarella sticks, these weird crab cake quiche hybrids, which yeah. were gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were onion rings. The two good things I liked were the jalapeno poppers and the pretzel bites. And then there was these square things that I didn't even try. I don't even know what they were. They were uh, fried ravioli. Okay, which they were good. That was probably the only good thing on that dish. But it was horrible. It wasn't good food. And then we were waiting. We went there for no reason because we never even got a chance to introduce ourselves. We just kind of stood around. We watched the uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. We we got a chance to watch the Avalanche and Lightning game a little bit. We watched the Yankees when they were up 4-1. to one. And then when they left, they, there was two runs scored by 
uh, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Yankees won four to three and the Mets were getting killed. So uh, we were watching the games, uh, you know, and trying to see how we can interact with the psych and alley. It just never happened last night. So that's what we did last night on our break, trying to introduce ourselves to other radio show hosts here on Long Island. Uh, but anyways, uh, we got a great show lined up for you guys uh, at 10 o'clock. We were supposed to have. On at 9.30, we were going to talk to Arkansas State defensive tackle Teron Surgic, but uh, he decided, well, he's not feeling very good. He probably has COVID. Mm. Uh, he had to run to uh, a city. Emergency. He had an emergency. He had to go to urgent care. Yeah, he wasn't feeling good. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with Hopefully he feels better. Mm -hmm. uh, COVID is going around right now. So usually when you go to a CDMD uh, or something like that, uh, it, it's not a good sign. So hopefully he's do, he's going to get better. Uh, at 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to co-founder of Pros and, with Joe's Charity League, Eric Romoff. Yep. Okay, so uh, we're going to have Romoff on. He was on the show about two or three years ago. No, he wasn't. He oh. was he was not. He, this is his first time on the show. No, you said he was on. No, I did not. No, not, not – the guys we had on on Tuesday were on. No, he was never on our show. But Didn't you just tell us that I, we were going to get uh, a Cavaliers – no, that's next week. What, what, what are you doing here? Next week, we will have Cavaliers broadcaster Tim Alcorn that was on our show two years well, ago. Well, thank you, Speedy, for not giving me the true information that I asked you who we were going to have on tonight. You're giving me wrong people. But uh, we're going to have Eric Romoff on a little bit later in the show. He's a fantasy football NFL uh, analyst. So uh, we'll get him on, and we'll talk a little NFL with him. We'll go through the Jets, the Giants, uh, all of the Boston teams, obviously, the New England Patriots. Um, well, there's only one Boston team. <laughs> oh, you're going to go back to that discussion you had last week with Jeff? What is really a New York team? What is really a New Jersey team? <laughs> well, let's not get into Jeff. But, uh, that's a whole other story. Um, our topics today, uh, we, will get into, we will get into the NBA Finals Game 6 uh, tonight as the Warriors look to end, end the Celtics tonight in Boston. Where, uh, obviously, Steph Curry needs to wake up and actually hit shots tonight. So, uh, if he plans to knock off uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown tonight, uh, that's what he is going to have to do. So, uh, we will get into that. Uh, we will also get into the Avalanche as they win in overtime last night. A fantastic game, by the way. One mm -hmm. of the best games you can watch for a Stanley Cup playoff, a Stanley Cup finals game. Uh, game number one, the Avalanche up 3-1 to one at one point, uh, giving up the lead letting Tampa get back into the game, going overtime and winning in overtime. Uh, by the way, one of the best shots you'll ever see in, in, in mm -hmm. an overtime. But uh, uh, fantastic game, so we'll get into that. We'll get into James Harden, who will sign a short extension with the 76ers for worth about $40 million more per year. So that's that's interesting. Uh, I don't know how small that is. I mean, $40 million a year is pretty damn good. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, to say no, that small in terms of the short years, like it doesn't he could, matter. He could have taken a five-year deal, but he only wants a two-year deal, and yeah, then trying to bank one more, I guess. Well, that's what he wants. Uh, he's still fairly young. I mean, James Harden, what, thirty-one years old? Well, yeah, he better not play like he did this year. <laughs> well, obviously, he needs to actually play in the playoffs. <laughs> that that too. Shots, but, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Uh, Bruce Cassidy to Vegas as John Tortorella signs with the Flyers. Where? Does the great Barry Trotz go now? Uh, there were stories coming out that he was 
the teams like the Flyers were interested and the Vegas Knights were interested. The Winnipeg Jets are still interested. Uh, does he head over there to Boston, which a lot of people believe could happen? Uh, that's going to be an interesting story moving forward. I do believe he will sign somewhere before uh, the, the season starts next year, so that'll be fun to you know get into when when he does when he does decide where he wants to go. Mark Kelly will be in the studios a little bit later in the show as he will go through some of his tidbits with the Jackie Robertson presentation that he did over there in Alabama. So we'll talk a little Jackie Robinson. He has statistics that you probably didn't know of Jackie Robinson. He's a statistician. So he will be in the studios tonight with us. So that'll be fun. Uh, And Yankees, the first team to 30 games over 500, 46 and 16. And the Mets with the best record in the National League, despite injuries. This This is a great story. If you're a New York baseball fan, when was the last time you talk about the National League with a New York team leading in an American League? With, well, in the American League, the Yankees are usually leading in it. I, yeah. I mean, the last couple of years, it's been back and forth. But uh, the Yankees are always up there amongst the league's best. It's the Mets that have been sensational this year. Uh, the pitching has been on even without Jacob deGrom and even without Max Scherzer, who, by the way, could be back in a week. So, uh, I mean, this rotation is going to be fantastic to watch, especially when Jacob comes back. So uh, it's going to be and that's what I really want to get into first. Before we get into NBA conversation or, or hockey conversation, I want to get into baseball because, honestly, when you look at the statistics and look at the positions that both of these teams are in both of their leagues, the only thing you could say is, wow. Right now, if the season were to end, the Mets would have the MVP of the National League in Pete Alonso. Right now, leagues leads the whole league in, in RBIs. He, he's second in home runs behind Aaron Judge. On base, percentage, on base percentage, I think he's third in all of baseball. And even though you're, you're looking at Lindor right now, who's batting 242 or 240, he hasn't been hitting the last couple of weeks. Obviously, because of his finger, we were talking about it before the the show started that uh, Lindor is playing hurt. Nimmo has been fantastic. He's been one of the best center fielders in all of baseball. Yesterday, he had some unbelievable catches. He really was. He, he and, and 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 to me, Brandon Nimmo slowly but surely, after all these years as a Back and forth outfielder playing right field, playing left field, playing center field. He finally found a position after even bringing in Marte, who's one of the best center fielders in baseball, found his position where he is most comfortable in. McNeil right now is is, is had a turnaround from a bad season last year. Maybe it was Soho being the, the manager. Who knows? Maybe Buck Showalter has figured out how to fi- fix this kid. But McNeil has been the best hitter on the Mets. He's batting 313 or 314 right now. The only person that hasn't really played and hasn't really been hitting is Dominic Smith, who's right now back and forth in the minors. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that? Yep. J.D. Davis taking over backup first base duties at this point. And with McGill coming back and this rotation starting to figure things out, when this rotation becomes full for the first time this season, how good is this team? Now, a lot of people are talking about the Atlanta Braves, four games behind the Mets right now, really making a surge. 
You see them right now winning 14 games in a row. And I know Josh is going to say that they're playing their easy schedule. They have one of the hardest schedules moving forward. And the Mets have one of the easiest schedules moving forward for the rest of the season. Not only that, they're going to have to overcome Noazi Albies. He had a leg injury. He'll be out at least two months, maybe more. And that's why Acuna coming back is so very important yeah. with that offense. When you look at this Met team than any other Met team that we've seen, this is a very well-managed team. This, this Eric Chavez coming to this team, being the hitting coach, and really changing the way some of these hitters are hitting and the way they're playing on the bases and, and they're stealing bases at a clip. This is the best Mets team I've seen since 2016. But not only that, they believe in this team. All the players on this team believe in what this team is and what this team could be moving forward with this year when they finally are at full strength. Carl says at least they haven't lost 12 in a row. No, they have not. Thankfully, no. that is the case. They're not the Cubs. This is this is a weird year, though. A lot of big winning streaks, a lot of big losing streaks. And it's something that hopefully the Mets can avoid in terms of having a bad losing streak. Yeah, the Braves have gained ground on them because they had a 14-game winning streak. But the Mets have still been the best performance team this year. And in terms of the talent, they have a lot more talent than they did even in 2016 where they had, yeah, they want, they made the playoffs. But they were scrapping their way through with a lot of backup offensive players. Even 2015, they brought in some veteran offensive guys towards the end of the year, too. Mm -hmm. This is the most talented one, and you were talking about the Yankees and the Mets having the best record at the same time. That has not happened since 2006, a year the Mets almost went to the World Series, and the Yankees, I think, lost in the ALCS. So I, I also think when, when you look at both of these teams, and we'll get into the Yankees, too, because the Yankees have been very, very impressive. And any Yankee fan that was taking shots at Brian Cashman, shame on you. Because uh, there was two stories that came out. Newsday wrote a story, and I forget the other story on Yahoo that somebody wrote a story about Brian Cashman and how special this offseason for the New York Yankees. And maybe it wasn't the big, predominantly huge moves that you see where the Yankees dig in their pockets and spend money like they did with Garrett Cole in the offseason a couple of years ago. It wasn't like that, but some of their young players, like Schmidt and Holmes, that we, who they made the trade for last year with the uh, with the pi Pirates at the trade deadline. And then, um, who's it? King, another guy that's looked really, really good in the bullpen, has really rebuilt this bullpen in an offseason where the Yankees were one of the worst bullpens in baseball last year and became the best, easily the best bullpen in all of professional baseball. But we're not getting into the Yankees. I want to get into the Mets and, and what has been impressive for this team. And I think it's really been management. I really think that where you look at this team and what this team has become, it's all about Buck Showalter and up top. And Steve Cohen, Uncle Stevie, opening up his pockets the last two years, spending almost a billion dollars. Yes, I said it right. A billion dollars on players and rebuilding this team. That by itself shows you how much he has invested into winning for the next couple of years. But not only that, when you look at this team, not even with the rotation where everybody thought that was their strength, what's been their strength is hitting, is hitting with men in scoring position where they lead the league in almost every single offensive category. That has been the most impressive thing about this team as a whole, offensively, 
not the fact that they have a rotation as good as they do. And we haven't even seen what this rotation could be. Carl says, Chavez, Moneyball Analytics. Uh, he wants to, he's already taking shots at Mark. How is Quiddy Pay doing? <laughs> and then a lesson is Tyler on SlimFast. No, Tyler might need a little more than that uh, in order to get to SlimFast. Speaking of Tyler, okay, before we get into Mark Everett Kelly, who has joined us into the studio, I've got a wonderful picture <laughs> to show all you guys what Tyler is doing with his spare time. Is everybody ready to see this? Everybody, Speedy, put it up there. Uh, look at that. Look at our friend Tyler Harrison with those wonderful uh, um, Ray-Ban or whatever the heck they are, girl glasses. I, I mean, honestly, Tyler, do you have anything better to do than – by the way, it's summertime. Why are you wearing a beanie? I, I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense. It is 80 degrees outside, Tyler. Mm -hmm. 80 degrees outside, and you're wearing a beanie. Well, maybe you're trying to lose weight or something. I don't know what you're trying to do. But uh, by the way, you need to find glasses that actually fit your face, Tyler. I'm just, I'm just saying. But by the way, if Tyler was here right now and I could actually move his face, move his lips, I would say, "Hey, Tyler, how are the Yankees doing? <laughs> how is Brian Cashman doing this year? Do you think he's not GM of the year?" I don't know. They're 30 games over 500 right now. First team, and actually the fastest team in the last. 10 years to win, to get over 30 games over 500. Did you know that? Mm. In the last 10 years, they're the fastest team in the last 10 years to get 30 games over 500. Carl says, looks like he's doing some booger sugar. Who knows? Take the picture off, please. Take the picture <laughs> off. I, I, honestly, uh, Tyler, he has nothing else better to do. So you know what he's doing? He, he's driving in his car, taking pictures and selfies of himself while he's driving, wearing a beanie in the middle of summer. Okay. Doesn't make any sense, but uh, as as we all know, what is Carl saying? Errol, do a show with that picture and your lips superimposed on it. You, I don't want my lips superimposed on that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Who wants to see me kissing, you know, Tyler Harrison? I wouldn't want to kiss Tyler Harrison. Uh, Not even virtually. I, I think you'd have to pay me a million dollars to kiss Tyler <laughs> Harrison, uh, or maybe more. I mean, I, I'd have to have, like, uh, you know, plastic on my lips to kiss those lips. But anyways, sorry, Tyler. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyways, uh, Mark Everkelly, what's going on, bud? Hey, guys. It's great to be back. Absolutely. Uh, you look pretty good. I mean, you, your hair is good. I mean, how are you feeling? I feel all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that you're here. We haven't seen you in a while. I know you're up here visiting. And Mark, if, if people don't know who Mark Everkelly is, he for all the – for all the years that he's been in radio and, and, and just in news, he's worked for ESPN for, for quite a few years. Uh, he won a couple of Emmys. Uh, and, uh, you know, all his years and all, everything that he has done, he's always come back and, and showed his support, not only for our show, but for our network, who's been a part of our network uh, for a very, very long time. So uh, we're very happy to have you in the studio. I'm happy that you're okay and you're doing well and you're back from Alabama visiting here on the great uh, mm -hmm. South Bay. Mm -hmm. Ugh. <laughs> I say ugh because every day I, I wake up in the morning and I get on the roads and I actually see the craziness that goes on over here. People don't know how to drive over here. People and, – and there's always – here on 347, this is the worst highway in all of New York, okay? I don't know if anybody's been to 347, but it's always busy. It doesn't matter what time it is. If it's 12 o'clock midnight – one, two, three o'clock in the morning. For some reason, there's road work getting done and there's bumper to bumper traffic over here. It doesn't make any sense. 
And during the day, it's a horror. It is a horror to drive on this road. You have old people throwing things at you, giving you the finger. You have young people blasting their music where their bumpers and their hoods popping up during you can't even see in front of them. I, I mean, it's horrible, and it's just I, – I can't stand it, but they're the great South. Was it worse than the beginning of the highway on our way back yesterday? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's that even was awful. horrible. Uh, we were driving home from the event we came from, and everybody that was behind us was beeping their horn. I, I was going like 65 miles per hour, almost mm-hmm. 70. I mean, that's pretty fast, mm-hmm. and, and they're still beeping their horn. And three people like cut in front of you too. Cut in front oh of me God. almost ran me off the road. One of them ran me, almost ran me off the road on the way home. Absolute animals over here on Long Island, but uh, that's just uh, you know me speaking the truth, and I'm not going to hide behind. It. I love my, you know, I love the island, I love the Great South Bay, but I have to make jokes about it because living here is just an absolute horror. But anyways, uh, how, what do you think? You're a Met fan. What have what have you your thoughts been ever since the season started? I mean, Lindor was very very hot in the beginning of the season, has fallen off maybe because of his finger injury. Who knows? But this lineup, McNeil's hitting. Everybody's hitting in this lineup, mm-hmm. uh, and and you got you guys have arguably the best player in the National League right now in Pete Alonso. So, what are your thoughts to your New York Mets? I think that this is the best team I've seen them have. I think 2016 was okay. I mean, they lost in a wild card game that that year, and they pretty much had to play perfect ball down the stretch just mm-hmm. to make the playoffs that year. 2015, I thought was surprising because they caught the Nationals uh, in like August. They had a great series where uh, after it looked like they were going to trade Wilma Flores, and they didn't, mm-hmm. and then they wound up sweeping the Nationals, and then they kind of wound up running away with it. And you, all you did was remember the collapses they had in 2007 and 2008, and those were historic. So you expected that to happen in 2015. It didn't happen, and they made it to the World Series, and if it wasn't for you know, a familiar blow in Game 1, maybe they, that would have looked different than even in Game 4 with, when uh, Murphy made the error. But Certain things about that team, like Murphy's postseason, they had magic moments. This year, they've had some magic moments where they've come back. That game against San Francisco was one of the best games, even though they lost. One of the best games I ever saw. And it made you feel like this team is different because they don't give up. You saw it today. I mean, that guy kind of hit another home run to tie the game today. He's Last year, he was one of the league leaders in hits in the American League. And he's been in major leagues for like seven, eight years. Mm. And nobody really knew who he was until last year. He started to, to you know, just collect a lot of hits, and he's still doing that for the Mets. They hit very well with runners in scoring position. Alonzo's having a great year. He's got 60 RBIs. He mm-hmm. could have, he's definitely going to set the record for RBIs if he stays healthy. And they don't, they're doing this all without Scherzer and DeGrom. Mm-hmm. So when they get them back, you have two top-notch starting pitchers. The rest of their, their team can kind of fill out themselves. If they can stay healthy, Scherzer and DeGrom, I see no reason why they shouldn't keep their lead and win the division. The Braves are good, but the Braves, I don't think this year, are better than the Mets. Last year, I thought the Braves would, would do better, and I, I, I didn't think they were done when they lost to Cunha, and then they made those great trades to get Rosario and Soler uh, and Adam Duvall, and then you saw them win and make it to the postseason and, and wind up winning the World Series, something they couldn't do even when they had all their players. Albies getting hurt is going to hurt them. He's a great second baseman, not to the effect that Acuna did, and they still won the World Series, but Albies does a little different different things, harder to find a second baseman than it is to find an outfielder. So I think the Mets got this is their best shot. If, if they want to win a World Series, if they want to get to the World Series, make some noise in the playoffs, I think this is their best team to do it if their pitchers can stay healthy. If their starting pitchers don't stay healthy, though, then they might 
that, you know, I, I don't see them having that much of an advantage over everyone else. I do have bad news for the New York Mets, and I know uh, I know the Beef's trying to call up. Beef, call back up. Uh, we'll put you through in just one second. I know he's been trying to clear and, and call up. So uh, call back up. Um, I, I, anyways, um, there is news that I have for you guys. Uh, McGill left the game. Oh, so, really? Yes, McGill left the game. And it doesn't look good. I, I don't know. Uh, he's going to probably go in for an MRI tomorrow. It doesn't. Uh, I, I don't know the full story. I could read it. Hold on one second. Before we put the beeve on. Um, uh, bringing up the story. New York right Post article headlines. Uh, right shoulder injury. Right shoulder injury. In the fourth which, inning. Which is not good. That's not a good sign. So. If you're a Met fan and you and McGill's a bohemoth and he's looked so good yeah, this year, yep. one of the better young pitchers that the Mets have in their farm system. They brought him up; he's looked fantastic. Uh, but uh, obviously, it doesn't really look good. Uh, and, and and now that you have Max Scherzer coming back and you have Jacob Degrom coming back, and you thought you were going to be at full strength. That is not a good sign if you're a Met fan losing a young kid like McGill. Right. If Bassett pitches like you pitched the other day. Uh, then they have a number three starter, and then Taiwan Walker is good enough to fill in for a four starter. And then, you know, Peterson got hurt, hit around last night, but I think they'll be okay if they have those two guys anchoring their rotation and then Bassett as a number three. Because when you get to the postseason, you only have pretty much three starters anyway. Right, and guys you can platoon, which the, the Mets' depth, uh, they, that's going to be tested with all these injuries now, too. And so far, they've managed it well. We'll see yep. if they can do it for the postseason. Yep. And McGill's a guy that's pitched in both roles, too, so he's definitely valuable. Yeah, you, well, you know, he's no doubt valuable. But, all right. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what's going on with the Beef. Beef, call the other number. I know he's trying to call the the, the main number. 672-3108 is the number. Uh, if you're not getting through to me... Get through the other number. I it, it, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So put him on through. And spe- I, I think I think. Yeah, he's calling. He's calling. All right, on. good. So put him through. Put put the beef on. I know he's been trying to call my phone over here. So we got two phones. All right. He's All right, on. beef. What's going on, man? What's up, buddy? How are you? We're good. Uh, there's something going on in the other side of the phone. So yeah, uh, I don't know what was going on. So. All right. So uh, what would you like to talk about, my friend? Well, you are getting into the New York Mets and. I knew this was going to happen. They are starting to collapse in the month of June, and the Braves are starting to get hot. I do not see the Mets winning this division whatsoever. Well, hold on. Wow. Hold on one second. Already overreacting. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not overreacting. I I think you're overreacting. I mean, you were so confident. You were so confident about the New York Rangers, and they were falling apart in the playoffs. Hold on a second. They were getting screwed by the referee. Oh, that's what it was. Don't even bring up the Rangers right now because you know how I feel about that. That's what it mm. was. Yeah. No, I'm a Ranger and, and, fan too. I feel I have to feel the same pain, unfortunately. I no, it's not, it's not pain. For, again, it's not pain. I, I'm it? not. I'm not in it the same way you are, Beef. But okay. The Mets are no, what? Sixteen. <laughs> I'm a real. I'm a real Rangers fan. You're not. So there you go. All right. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. In their last, uh, how many games? I think the Mets are sixteen and eight in their last few games. They're not collapsing. It's They're just not. A, Atlanta's won fifteen straight. Fourteen. I mean, fourteen straight. 14, yes. Well, here's the problem right now. Er- Errol called this from day one, and I give Errol a lot of props for calling it that Max Scherzer was going to get hurt, and right. he got hurt, and. It's 100% now. Can he stay healthy for the rest of the season as his age, you know, yep. as he gets older? So I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy the whole season. That's number one. I do th- before you go to number two, I think the most important thing is getting Jacob DeGrom healthy. I think if Jake well, gets healthy, 
I think Jake is a special player. I think he can completely change his rotation. He, I know everybody looks at Max Scherzer. He's won championships before, or won a championship before. Jacob DeGrom is something of inhuman. He's, he's not a human, okay? When he is on the mound, his dominance on the pitching mound is better than anybody in the league. I mean, his whip is always amongst the league's best. His ERA is amongst the league's best. He, he strikes out, what, almost one and a half batters every single inning. So yeah, his dominance has been problem. special for you the last five throw, years. You cannot throw that hard for your whole career. You, you screw up your arm when you do that. He's got to learn how to pitch different. Yeah, it was supposed to be thought of as a luxury, the 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and then he ends up throwing certain games where he has 30 or more in one game, and that that was the big problem of why that ended up downfalling, and that was supposed to just be in addition to his already great pitching. He could change speeds and then really just blast it on an an arsenal type thing. Yeah, but who's to say that he comes back and all of a sudden his arm doesn't feel right again, and then here you go again. He's out out for the rest of the season. It could happen that way. I could understand his his complaints, because also the Mets in the past like five, six years always seem to get like a lap pole or some sort of leg injury. They're always dealing with major injuries to, to big-time players, and that seems to... And, and, and if they're going to go to the playoffs, they can't expect to win with just Scherzer because then it's not going to happen. Right. No, I, I so agree. At some, so at some point during the trade, down, the trade deadline, where do you go? Where I don't... Do you, where, where... First of all, as everybody knows, the new rules of baseball, you can only have 13 pitchers. So you yes. you don't right. want to pull any pitchers out of your bullpen. Your bullpen is so very important. So you got to stay to you got to stay with five guys in your rotation. Well, and, that, and that's one of the best weakest part of their, their their team is their bullpen. Well, right, but we've seen bad bullpens yeah, yeah, on like, paper manage it in the playoffs. Like the Nationals, the, like the Nationals, like god awful. Like uh, even though I, we could say well, we want what they cheated, but that was the hitting. Well, the, the Astros, Astros bullpen was really bad in 2017. Outside of two guys, the Red Sox bullpen was kind of scrapped right. together. It wasn't supposed to be great on well, paper. Well, here, well, well here, here, here's the thing: the Mets are hiding all the all, all all those problems by hitting the ball. Right, that, but B, that's why I'm saying I don't know if they necessarily have to go for just these high profile relief pitchers. No, as much yeah, as they just not, need. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that to go for a high-profile pitcher. I'm saying what move do they have to make? If pitching depth, two two small or... moves just to get more depth in the. I think more rotation. No, no. I don't even think you need to go for your rotation. I think you need to go for your bullpen. I think the bullpen is very important. I think that's where the Mets I, I, need to look. I, I, I agree with Errol on that. I, yeah. Their rotation. Because let, let's look at their rotation. Miguel could be out for the rest of the season if it's a bad shoulder injury. Right. He could be out for the season if he needs surgery. Maybe not. Maybe he has inflammation. Who knows what he right, has? Right. But. You have Jacob DeGrom coming back. You have to be careful with Jake. Make sure you get him back. He's healthy because this might be the last year Jacob's going to be here. Because right. mm-hmm. there could be stuff. Sto- I, I heard. I heard he's going to opt. He out. is he's opting like, out. He wants and out, he wants but, Max Scherzer yeah, money. And he can't. And, 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 pitches. and and I don't know if Steve Cohen's going to give him that money because Max got a lot of money in the offseason. That means you're going to pay two pitchers forty three, forty four well, million dollars a year. It doesn't well, make I'm, sense. I'm going to go back to this when the Mets got rid of um, what's his name, the, the guy that went to Philly, the pitcher Zach uh, Wheeler. Uh, Zach Wheeler. Yeah, yeah so Wheeler. Wheeler, that was the biggest mistake the Mets yeah, ever made. Yeah, because Syndergaard didn't resign, and Syndergaard could never got healthy. Oh, well, Wheeler's you, so much better you, of a pitcher. You, I, yeah, you, I, you I, I like Syndergaard, though. I Mark, really did. Mark, you, you, knew, you knew Syndergaard wasn't going to sign, so yeah. they need a power to sign Wheeler. Well, yeah. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you saw this stat. Remember how he made the comments about how the uh, the Mets no-hitter wasn't a true no-hitter because it was it was a platoon guy. It was five guys. and right. uh, That was their his, only no-hitter. No, I know. Well, no, well, but, yeah. but, but, but he likes saying, oh, it's not a true no-hitter when his teammate Reed Detmer's throwing no 
no-hitter. Since that day, I, I didn't know what he got in his last start, but I saw that he had 8.34 ERAs. I mean, that Johan Santana no-hitter was not a no-hitter. Yes, we know. Beltran got the hit down It's on paper. It's on paper that it is. There have been other things like that. When Galarraga should have had a perfect game, the umpire didn't mess the call. I mean, there are a couple of that. Move Papas back in the 70s, an umpire missed a call. Call, cause them to Call walk two, yeah. at the end of the game. Yeah. So, I mean, there are things that always happen that could have this, but they never pitched one before they finally did, so I'm not looking no. at it as but an again, asterisk. They did it, finally did <laughs> We always see the Mets always do this. They, they get hot, and then they collapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this last year, you can see it, though. Last this year. team's different. I think yeah, this team's different. I, I think they're different, too. I think last year... I, hope, I mean, I, I hope you're right, but I'm just not going to... Uh, you want me to tell you why I think this team is different? Do you want me to give hitting? you... Their lineup has been as so much depth, and they're hitting yeah. on all different ends of that lineup. They're not just hitting on the top of their lineup. Even the bottom of their lineup is hitting. The only person that's really not hitting in the lineup right now is Lindor. Lindor. And they're not doing yeah. it with power. They're doing right. it with two-hour alleys. They're doing a clutch I hitting. That, yeah. Was a, yeah. that was another terrible signing. That was another terrible signing. Which one? They overpaid. Lindor? Lindor. Well, I, again, Lindor was very, very hot early in the season, and it's fallen off because of the finger injury. Uh, he was being looked at as the starter for the All-Star game, which it means nothing in the National League. Now he's fallen no. off. And, and, and again, it could be injuries, and you can't really point fingers on why he always gets no. injured. He got injured a lot in Cleveland, too, mm. his last two years. Right. So, again... Uh, paying a guy this this amount of money, you wanted to bring a star here. You wanted yeah. to be a guy that could be the face of the organization offensively, not like Jacob DeGrom as a pitcher. And, and, and after losing Matt Harvey and everything that's happened to Matt Harvey, this team was trying to find an identity. Mm-hmm. So bringing in a character like a guy like Lindor also shows people on what the Mets are trying to do, trying to figure out who they are as an organization and put well, guys together where you can build a, a core. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he'll be all right. An aura to this organization that well, hasn't been uh, there for yeah. many, many years. I think Lindor would be all right. I think so too. The other thing too, Eve, you got to keep in mind, Lindor is still doing other things, even mm-hmm. with the batting average being low, a awesome. lot better defensively this year than he was last oh, year. I he's know, st- I, I, he's I, stolen I, I, eight bases, yeah. so he's made he made that. good base running when he's gotten on base, and his on base percentage is still three nineteen, which is still good for somebody that has a low batting average. OPS seven twenty one is still fine, and yeah, he struck out a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. There's there are some flaws, but I, I think he's doing a little more. Like last year, it seemed like kind of like what you were saying at, at, with Glaber Torres at the end of the season, Errol, when he was playing shortstop, he wasn't mm-hmm. as good. I think when Lindor was really hitting that slump, it hit to other parts of his game, and he wasn't running, he wasn't playing so as great move, of defense. you want to move him to second base? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm saying it's comparatively to that, but, and it hurt him from the gold glove caliber shortstop he was in the past. But you, you look at what they have now. Alonzo being as hot as he is, that's clearly been the biggest thing that's helped him, is because he's got a number of big hits Two out hits, runners in scoring position, he's doing outstanding. Whole team's doing great with runners in scoring position. Jeff McNeil is back now after a horrible last season. Uh, and then you have guys like Kana, who is a great clutch hitter as well. Uh, Escobar struggled a little bit, but he's starting to get hotter and hotter. I think he'll wind up in where he always is at the end of the year. So I think he's going to have a really good second half. And then you have Nimmo, who's a great leadoff guy, a guy that, again, makes contact. The Mets make contact. They put the ball mm-hmm. in play. They remind me a lot of the Royals back in like 2015, 2014. They're not as defensively sound as that world. No. no, but they are hitting. Like they, they make contact. They put the ball in play. They force you to make plays uh, up and down the lineup. They don't really have a guy that's going to be a high strikeout guy. Even yeah. Alonso is not really striking out as much as he used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only, yeah, the only one that's high is pretty much Escobar with 63. But yeah, beyond that, Lindor is 
Lindor and Alonso both fifty six, which even like Thomas could have been worse. Well, yeah, Nito's having great. I mean, you know, by, I, by I, big I service. Is, yeah, so Nemo's been the most catcher, impressive yeah. one out of all. Right. Or, yeah, yeah. Defensively I mean, and offensively, Nemo could win a Gold Glove this year. He's hitting the ball. I mean, he's not. He's not. He's not. Beating the ball up. I mean, he's hitting two sixty eight, two seventy. For a center fielder, if you're getting if you're getting that much from a center fielder, if you're if a center fielder is hitting between two sixty and two seventy, and he's going to give you about twenty something home runs, which he probably will this year. That's a good overall center fielder that they he's have on base, base percentage three seventy one yeah, and OPS seven ninety four. Yes. yes. So. Nimmo's been the most impressive player besides Pete Alonso and in McNeil, this whole lineup. McNeil too. Yeah, but McNeil, we expected him to hit. It didn't work out with Luis right. Soho or whatever his name was. Rojas. Rojas, yeah. I'm sorry. I always mess up his Rojas. name. Rojas. The manager last year? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Jeff McNeil, had, Jeff McNeil had a great start to his career when – even Mickey Callaway is not Luis great. Soho, that was a Yankee. I'm sorry. Yeah, Luis yeah. Soho. Yeah, he's the guy that got the game-winning hit in like right. Game Five yes. of the World Series. Yeah. And I'm went thinking, past I'm thinking Al Leiter. Luis Soho. I don't <laughs> know how that but, but, came up. But, but, but Mark, even think about this. Mickey Callaway. I don't think anyone is saying is a great manager, right. but Jeff McNeil still played well with whatever his style was brought. The right. hitting coaches that he's there. As soon as Rojas got there, 2020, the shortened season, and kind of, I mean, McNeil had a little bit of a slump in the second half of the 2019 season too, fine, but 2020, 2021, the two years Rojas was there was the two worst years of McNeil's yeah. career. Eric Chavez has been a big part of this, yeah. this line. Absolutely. Still. He's but been great. Now with all this stuff, you have to lift the ball, you have to, he doesn't, um, Chavez doesn't do any of that stuff. He just says, see the ball and hit it. Right. All these other guys say, well, you have to hit the ball in a year. You got to have a, a certain uh, angle when you comes off your bat. All these new analytics, uh, like the barrels, how many barrels Barrowing, you hit. Yes. <laughs> um, and those things, when you look at them, they're pretty good numbers to, to identify which guys are hitting the ball the hardest, but yeah. that doesn't mean you're going to get more hits. And we know McNeil is capable of that. Right, exactly. What he did is he just let him get to his head too much. And as a result, had it, had it really hinder mm-hmm. him the last two years. Mm-hmm. And, and Rojas probably had a lot to do with it where he was even maybe fixing some of the little things. Yes, you still want to prioritize it. Yes, you still want to be able to do it because otherwise it's going to be very hard to make it in today's baseball. But you also don't want to do it where you're over-swinging and striking out a ton, too. Even though the strikeouts rate has still gone up every year pretty much in baseball throughout the year. I think what the Mets need to do at the trade deadline is they need to find at least one or two bullpen arms to fill in their bullpen. And I think they need another hitter in this lineup. Now, it's crazy to say that because they're they're hitting at a clip. But I, I think they need power in this lineup. Mm-hmm. And Pete Alonso has been the power in this lineup. And and everybody else is hitting, but they're not like the Yankees, where the Yankees have like three or four guys that have double-digit home runs. They have right. one well, guy. Yeah, because you have right. Judge, you have Stanton. They have guys that can hit for power in this lineup. They're just not. Dom Smith was supposed to be a guy that mm-hmm. was going to hit 25, 30 home runs. Escobar, so yeah. I mean, yeah. right. He's right now. He's right now playing on their Triple A mm-hmm. team. Okay, so yeah, you went yeah, but last year everybody thought he was a power hitter, and, and he was and he was supposed I, to be big. I, I, I never, I, I never liked Dominic. I never liked. Fine, Dominic. you never liked. <laughs> Dominic, uh, Dominic Smith, but everybody else did. Yeah, everybody yeah, well, else were, loved him. Well, they were crazy. Well, I know <laughs> that well, maybe, and, and you're crazy to think that it was the Wefflewees on why the Rangers oh, lost. Don't get me started. <laughs> <don't get me, laughs> I'm just speaking the truth. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know, but I, I think what the Mets need to do is they need to find another bat, a, a power bat to go into the middle of the lineup to protect Pete Alonso, because that will make well, Pete yes. Alonso even more dangerous. Because if you uh, yes. if you look at uh, Aaron Judge, if you look at Aaron Judge right now, 
And you look what he is doing right now at a clip. He's ha- he has 25 home runs. He leads the league with power in almost every statistic except RBIs. He's number one in every well, single category. Well, the re- Hold on. You- the reason why he is is because Rizzo's hitting pow- for power right now. And then you have Stanton hitting for power right now. And this lineup is protecting him where they have to. Pa- they they can't pitch around him where he's hitting. He's hitting. He's batting second. He's batting third. He's hitting in the, those 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 areas where you're going to have to pitch to him. And when you do pitch to him, he's so strong. You could pitch on the outside. You could pitch on the inside. And he can hit for average because he's second on the team. And actually, he's. I think he's first right now. Uh, in, in batting average. So that tells you what he is as a, a, a five-tool player. He's great. But go ahead. No, I was just, I mean, you, you're 100% right. But I just, you know, like you said, the, Alonzo needs protection. But to me, Alonzo is the best player in the NL right now. I have, right now, he's he's playing like it. I don't think he's the best player in the NL. I, I mean, yeah, he, yeah right, you could argue the, the way Goldschmidt's played and yeah, Manny Machado. There's a yeah, couple others, he's, too. Yeah. He's right now going to win the MVP because of his stats. Yeah. Is he the yeah. best overall player in the NL? No. Well, I, no. Yeah, I mean, no. Well, I mean well, right now, numbers wise, is he like. Yes, uh, power Right now, he leads the, the American f- League or the National League in home runs and RBI. Do right you now, think so. he's a five tool player like Acuna is? Right. Yeah, Acuna's no. Tatis when he's healthy. But yeah. Tatis yeah. or so somebody like that, he's not. Right. But right now, have, right now, he's the MVP. If you, were to, if you were to rank him, where would you have him? Pete Alonso, I would say he's 15 in all yeah, of baseball. Like that. Yeah, 15, 14, somewhere around there. Yeah. I think he's there. He's he's not in the top ten because I can name ten guys. Uh, St. Louis has two fantastic players in Paul right. Goldschmidt and. Uh, but he's no, in that I'm category. Not, no, I, no, I would no, put no. I would put him in that category. Yeah, but they're like ten and they're like ten and eleven right there. I mean, I'm not even talking about the top end players. How about how about Mookie Betts? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. see, I wouldn't put him in that category. Betts, Acuna, those guys are. are real I mean, Friedman. Right, I players. mean, Friedman's a special player too. I, I mean, if we go through the National League right now and go. Yeah. Is he better than Bryce Harper? I mean, come on, man. When Bryce Harper's on, Juan Soto. Juan Soto is the best player in the National League. Yeah. Hands down. Well, so that's already Alonso like ten been, guys right there. So, but Alonzo has better numbers than Harper right yeah. now. No? Yeah, yeah. Th- th- I think so. this year, right? But Bryce yeah. Harper's still doing well. Pete Alonzo's not even the best player on his team. Okay, I, I would say Jacob Degrom is the best player on that team. He is when healthy. He's the best pitcher in baseball, and that's coming from a Yankee fan. Yeah, well, There's no question that he is. Beef, let me read you Bryce Harper, though. 317, 15 yeah, home exactly. runs, 46 RBIs. That's still phenomenal numbers, too. For no, not, a no, Phillies no, offense no, has been really down this year, oh. too. They're not no, protecting no, him. Nobody's downplaying right. him. What I'm saying can't is right now, Alonzo has better numbers than those guys, so yes. he's a better player right not now. Not for yeah. average, but, that, but he's that, batting, batting for power, that, yeah. That goes year, year to year. It depends. You know, guys can flip-flop year to year. Guys can have one year better than the other. So it's. But I, you said you're a Ranger fan, right? So yeah. I remember I was watching, and this goes back because I, I know you've probably been a Ranger fan for a while. The, to me, uh, what what, what epitomizes the Ranger? I remember watching Game One against the Canucks in '94 when I think Greg Adams hit the or or please uh, hit the post. Kurt McLean, and, mm. and, and then the Rangers came down. Uh, Canucks came down and scored the game-winning goal in Game One after the Rangers Bob blew a late lead in that. To me, that epitomizes the Rangers. Now they went on and wound up winning the Stanley Cup, but I remember mm-hmm. being there at that night. And just the crowd was totally deflated because the Rangers hit the post, and here the Canucks came down and then won the game. After all the Rangers put you through that postseason with you know going to overtime against the Devils, blowing a late lead there, but they wound up winning that year. This year, I, I honestly didn't think they would get to where they got, but I thought that they well, could have beaten. 
Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay they was a little tired. They, they just no, Tampa Bay wasn't tired all day. They had nine days off. And, and well, I mean, no, but t- yeah, but they, again, you got to look at they, going they back to that twenty. They didn't have they didn't have their legs in game one and two, and you scored more toward the end of the game. But Tampa was getting their legs back, so. They're good though. I mean, the, I mean the, Rangers, great. the Rangers, they're a good team. The Rangers got gas. They're young, they, you know, and you know they have a bright future. It's gonna so. be fun to see the Rangers on. As far the as the Yankees are concerned, and I want to but finish yeah. up with baseball. The Yankees have been so fun to watch. They really yeah. have. I mean, the lineup has been sensational. Aaron Judge is right now. Uh, could break the home run record. He could be the first person to break Roger Maris's record. And why, legitimately, I mean, yeah. legitimately, mm-hmm. where uh, Roger Maris Jr. has spoken out and saying, that, "Why not another Yankee break another Yankee's record, home run record?" Yep. And, and and to me, yeah, without cheating, without cheating, Aaron right. Judge. And I listen. I don't think steroids is cheating. That's just my opinion. I, again, I'm going to say it. No, I don't. I, there, a lot of these players. There are a lot of players that take steroids that don't hit like like Barry Bonds did and don't hit like some of these guys that have done steroids like Mark uh-oh, McGuire. Uh-oh. Look at all the smaller uh-oh, guys okay. that are getting caught now with steroids, too, yeah, and all these other foreign long. drugs. Game yeah, it well, Rizzo? Rizzo, Rizzo right? walks it but, off for the Yankees. But what's been impre- impressive about the Yankees is it's not just they're a home running t- hitting team anymore. They're hitting for they're average. Hitting for average. Yes, yep. their team average is over 250 right now. And – to me, they're one of the best defensive teams in baseball, which has been unbelievable because last year I think they were ranked 28th or 29th in all all defense in, throughout the league. Holmes, 28th or 29th innings without giving up a run. I think he broke Mariano Rivera's record with wow. the Yankees. Uh, he's been sensational. Schmidt's been sensational. King's been sh- sh- uh, sensational. This whole bullpen, besides Chapman, who is uh, nowhere to be found mm-hmm. and wow. might have lost and might have lost his job. Uh, in this in this bullpen, as far as the closer is concerned, I think uh, even Jonathan Loisaga, who has been back and forth this year with injury, it's it's been very impressive to see what this Yankee team has done. And and by the way, the best rotation in baseball—it's not even a question right now. Uh, what uh, Nasty Cortez is doing right now, and uh, uh, even everybody says Garrett Cole—he he he get let, uh, what was it? The game before yesterday, he or the game before the the other day before. Uh, the week before, he he gave up five home runs, and everybody said, "Oh my God, he's he he has the worst ERA on the Yankees," which was like three oh eight or yeah, he's still high threes. And by like, the way, well, in his last five games, hold on, beef. The last five games, he is shut out four out of the five games that he has won. Okay, he's shut them out. So it tells you what Garrett Cole is. I don't listen. I don't know what Garrett Cole is uh, with the Yankees in the playoffs. We still don't know what he is because he's only been there one time and he's only done it in the wild card game and he looked embarrassing against the Red Sox. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe something else. Maybe his head was up as you know what. Who knows? Okay. What, what was that? I'm not going to say. But uh, honestly, what this rotation has done so far this year has been Absolutely impressive. Uh, their ERA as a team, as a rotation, is uh, almost 280. It's like 282, 283. Um, they have two guys that are pitching in the in, in the low in the low ones. I mean mid ones, and the other guy pitching in the low twos. And you have three guys that are pitching in the twos, and four guys pitching in the low threes. Uh, five guys pitching the low threes. So it tells you what this rotation is. And they're striking out at a clip. They lead the league in strikeouts by a, a huge margin. I think it's like 27 to 28, which is a significant no- number. Um, they have three pitchers in the rotation that have 70 or more strikeouts. I mean, 
Every single statistic. I mean, the Yankees have led the league in almost every offensive, defensive, pitching statistic in all of baseball. And I, I'm going to go again to all you, all you Yankee fans and Ranger fans that <laughs> actually took shots at Brian Cashman on re-signing Aaron Boone, who, by the way, I'll say it again, if Aaron Boone has another 100-win season, he will be the first manager in Major League history in his first five years to record three 100-win seasons. That tells you, with a guy who has no experience as a manager, he was an analyst. He was man. He was analyzing things with Alex Rodriguez <laughs> on ESPN. Okay, anything, anything to keep a Rod out of the broadcast booth. Thanks. Seriously, I, I mean, and for Yankee fans, and I've been sticking up for Aaron Boone for years. Okay, and I, I'm I want to see him win manager of the year. I want to see him win a championship. Joe Girardi got fired, and look at what this Philadelphia team is doing without Joe Girardi. That tells you a lot about Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi had a great team in front of him. They spent six hundred million dollars in that offseason for AJ Burnett, CC Sabathia, and Mark Teixeira. Yeah. So for for what Brian Cashman has done since. We've seen in the offseason where everybody said, where are the Yankees? Why aren't they spending money? They're winning. By the way, just going, going back oh. to the Yankees pitching, uh, 577 strikeouts tied for the American League lead with the White Sox. The White Sox ERA is Oh, they, they, the they came back? I thought they were 23, 23 over strikeouts. Right, but they still lead. the next highest team after that is the Red Sox in the American League. They have 33 more, 32 more strikeouts than the Red Sox. But to the point of the White Sox team ERA is 4.02, so it's terrible. The Yankees, 2.78. So, big difference there. Bayon's only three walks. And only one run allowed. Tyone has been the best. Honestly, as as good as Cortez has been, which is unbelievable numbers, Tyone's been the most impressive one. He's got over 78 strikeouts. I mean, his ERA is uh, in the low twos. I mean, if you were to ask me who's been the best pitcher for the Yankees this year, it's Tyone. That's who I think has been. Because he's striking out a lot. And Cortez has been good, but he's not striking out a lot. I mean, Tyone is striking out seven, eight guys every single night when he's on the mound. So that that he's a power pitcher. He's the one that the Yankees are going to have to figure out how to re-sign. He's going to be the guy. Everybody keeps talking about Cortez. Cortez isn't going to get a lot of money. He's he's going to get like twelve, thirteen million. What are they going to do? With, what's his name? Who requested a trade? Is it Andahar? Yeah. yeah, they're going to trade him. They'll just probably trade him for a, a pitching depth. A bullpen, or like a bullpen that. arm. That's yeah. what they're going to do. You guys say the bu- bu- bullpen. I think bullpen arms are important, but I think when you look at like the Braves last year. Early in the year, their pitchers were not going long into games. And I think the longer your starters go into games, that really, to me, that's the most effective help for your bullpen. Because if you've got guys that are going consistently seven innings, that's going to strengthen your bullpen more, I think, than getting another bullpen guy. So if I was the Mets, I would get another starter that can give me innings instead of a guy that just gives me five innings, and then I'm just throwing another bullpen guy out there. Because to me, they're a dime a dozen. You've got guys from year to year can be good or bad. But if you have a starter that can consistently give you seven innings, to me, during the regular season, that is is something that really does help your rotation. Well, relief pitchers can be very fluky, so that might mm-hmm. be the hard thing to judge in terms of trying to trade for a whole pro- high-profile one, which the Yankees don't need to do because they have a lot of high-profile like, ones like, already. Go and that was, right. No, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go back to what I'm going to go back to what Errol said about you know Yankee fans bashing Gorning and Cashman. It's just ridiculous because those two guys, they 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 built this team to what it is right Do you know now. what the and Mets would do? If Brian Cashman get, if Brian oh, Cashman was, was available. Time in a second. If Brian Cashman becomes available at any point if the Yankees decide to part ways with him, I believe Cohen would 
go right to him and say, here's an empty check. Fill out how much you want because I'm bringing you here to the Mets. Every single guy, Buck Showalter, ex-Yankee manager, the kid, the, the guy that they brought in from the Anaheim uh, Angels comes from the Yankees, uh, you know, tree, from uh, Brian Cashman's tree. Who's there? Epler, yeah. Epler, another guy from the Yankees organization. And they brought in scouts from the Yankees organization. Now, all of a sudden, if Brian Cashman becomes available, I guarantee you'll make him the president. Chavez. You know, he yeah, might even make him a, a partial owner of the team. Just yeah, to bring them will in. never do that. So no, yeah, that though. was the last gift that George Steinbrenner left for the Yankees organization was giving yeah. a guy of that magnitude, well, uh, that not, great, not, not, not great manager. It's not my buddy. Tyler Harrison's a moron. Okay, hey, well, hey you're going to get rid of a guy that has as a as the manager as the GM. If you look at the big picture, if you don't believe that he was the manager for those three years, four years um, uh, with Watson over there, take take it th- when Watson was gone. All right, mm-hmm. as a GM, five twenty five years in a row, Brian Cashman has never had a losing season, even rebuilding seasons. Right. He's never had it. We will never <laughs> see a record like that broken ever in any sport no. ever again. No, he won't. Also, think about a team like the 2015 Yankees that had no business even being in the playoffs. How old was that team? Like yeah. Steven Drew, Brendan Ryan, all yeah. those guys? <laughs> they had no business being in the playoffs. They still made it as a wild card. Mm-hmm. It just nope. tells you what, what, what nope. it just tells you what Brian Cashman is as a GM and what he knows as an executive. Yeah, he's not been good finding pitchers. We know it, but uh, he's been good finding uh, you know bullpen arms, and which is changing to the game. Schmidt right now is one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. Holmes, who they got from Pittsburgh, is the best relief pitcher in baseball. And by the way, they got a kid named King that came up this year who leads all young pitchers right now in ERA and WHIP in their bull- in the bullpen. So what does that tell you about the Yankees and what this organization builds? They don't it's not always about rotation. It's about understanding what the game is transitioning to and bullpens are going to take over, especially in the playoffs. If you don't have a strong bullpen, good luck. You're not going to win. Why did the Braves win last year? Because of their lineup and what they did in the later innings with the bullpen. That's what won them the 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 uh the World Series last year. So Go up and down what you've seen over the last couple of years and how important bullpens have been. It's everything. The Yankees have one of the worst bullpens in baseball. That's why the Yankees were a wildcard team that got knocked out by the Boston Red Sox last year. And I'm not taking shots at the Boston Red Sox, who I believe is a lot better than what they are. And right now, if the season were to end, the Boston Red Sox would have the last wildcard spot. And I said this before the season started. What did I tell you, Speedy? Mm -hmm. I said that four out of the five teams in the American League East is going to make the playoffs, and it's going to happen. Those four teams are as good as any team in all of baseball. Yeah. And I, I, Rob, I, do you, yes. Do you think the Mets win the division or no? I do. I think the Mets win their division. I do think they win the division. I think uh, the Braves and them will be fighting for it, but I think in the long run, I think the Mets will make the moves that they need to to stay there. The Braves are making the playoffs. They, they're absolutely no, I, making I the playoffs. That. I know, I and I don't know, know where I don't know what this rotation is going to be this year. I, I don't know what Jacob Degrom is going to be. I don't know what Max Scherzer is going to be. And again, I'm going to say it: bringing in a, an old player, an old pitcher like Max Scherzer, where everybody says, "Wow, great move! The Yankees should have done that." Well, I, th- here's the worrisome thing about the Mets: they can't keep older players healthy. They never could. Go look at their so years true. and years and years of bringing in so old players. True. It doesn't work for them. So. I, I still think Max Scherzer is a dominant pitcher, and I, I don't think I, I don't think 
when you have a multi-billion dollar owner who's the richest owner in all of baseball, means anything for him to give him $43 million a year because he's a great arm and he's a great leader. The problem is, is he going to stay healthy for the three years that they gave him? That is, and, and if they win, if he wins a World Series with this team, it was worth every penny that he put into it. Just but if won. they won, of course. The Mets won. haven't won a championship since 1986. I know, I'm just Please. saying. Just plus, you don't see, except for the Giants winning three in five years, you really don't see bunch dynasties in the 21st century. By the it way, the Yankees really won. I know you guys, uh, the Yankee Rizzo had a, uh, a game-winning home run as the Yankees win and make their, make their record 31 games over 500. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they are 40 games over 500 before the, before the All-Star break, which is mm. it's amazing what the Yankees right. – they could break the wins record in a season this year. They're on their way. Yep, they were on pace for 118 as of Tuesday. So now they're probably on pace for 119. It is, and that doesn't mean they're going to win the World Series, which Tyler Harrison wanted to inform me. Uh, just because they have the best <laughs> record, it doesn't mean they're going to win the World It doesn't mean anybody's yep, going to win the World Series. Seattle there. That's the last team to win 116. It, it doesn't mean anything. The Yankees could lose – Early in the, the playoffs, it is not easy to win a World Series. Why is Tyler got his, his head so far up his ass? Uh, Snug, I, 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 you say Blackhawks win three in five years. I was talking about baseball, not hockey. No, yeah, yeah hockey, was, there's teams that yeah. wins a bunch all Kings the time. Too. Yeah, Kings won two. Penguins won back-to-back. Yeah, the, no, in hockey, it's common. In this baseball, is the first, in the 21st century, the Giants are really the only team that have done this. This is the first time that a hockey team went back-to-back-to-back to back to back years to a Stanley Cup final since the Islanders. Yep. So that's how crazy that is. That's almost 40 years since a team has wow. done it three times. And nobody thought it was possible with the right. way the game has changed. Yep. And if they win again this year, that's three championships in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you want to talk about a dynasty. Yep. They, they have been the dynasty, I believe, of this era. They've been as dominant. And hockey is so hard in the Stanley Cup. It's just so hard to go seven games, seven games, seven games, and go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals and win seven games against well, the best team in the Western it. Conference or Eastern that, Conference. That, that's why the Rangers got tired. They had seven, seven, and there you go. The Rangers played the oldest team, one of the older teams. in. A, they were the oh, oldest Bobby, team in the playoffs. Games, Edmonton and Avalanche are young teams. So the Rangers funny. are a young team. The Tampa Bay Lightning were the oldest team in the playoffs, and they beat Doesn't one of the youngest you. teams. You're a young team with young legs. How do you get tired? <laughs> maybe tired because they have fans like you. Don't maybe, uh, maybe, don't Tyler. Maybe, like, maybe Tyler. Maybe okay? Tyler, don't, don't, don't make me get in my car and come down there. Uh, you want to come out here? Why not get another guy in the studio? Yeah. Why not? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, I'll have to beat you up again like I did. Oh, the yeah, okay. What day. dream world you in? <laughs> Oh, God. I don't know the one with the one where you would have me out. <laughs> I would. Here's here's why I know you're lying, and everybody would know you're lying. I've never tapped out in my life. I've never tapped out in my life against black belts. So why would I tap out to you? Okay, so just so you know. I'm the first person in history. <laughs> I was in a rear naked chokehold against a, a. I was in a rear naked chokehold against a black belt, and I went to sleep. I didn't even tap out. Okay, so I don't tap out. So you're on drugs. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, uh, B, thanks you for calling, bud. You got it, man. I'll talk to you guys. Love, Love you, you, man. Got. Thank you. The beef. Uh, why don't we go to a quick break? When we come back, we'll be talking to co-founder of Pros and Joe's Charity League, Eric. Romoff here on the Sports Lineouts. You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 
631-672-3108 is the number to call. We are the Sports Loudmouths, our special guest, Mark Kelly in the studio. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Go to iOS, which is Apple, to check out our app. It's free. It's beautiful. If you haven't checked out the Ryan Hickey Show every Thursday morning, well, check it out. He does a show on CBS Sports Radio every Saturday night on the overnights. He's a fantastic um, host and does very, very good work. Um, and obviously our Weapons Hot Show and all the different shows we have on our network, if you haven't checked it out. And us, the Sports Loudmouths, and you can check us out on 103.9 on the Weekend Crunch every single Saturday at 7 p.m. As we are usually doing the show before or after the Islander games during the hockey season. Anyways, uh, we've we've been talking about this guy before the show started. I, I thought we were going to get a play-by-play guy, and then Speedy says I was wrong. But mm-hmm. this is what happens when my co-host, a.k.a. producer, tells me the wrong information. But I'm happy to have him on. We are now talking to co-founder of Pros and Joe's Charity League, Eric Romoff. What's going on, Eric? Hey, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I you know, I was I was doing research on our, our, our guest that we haven't spoken to in two years. Uh, d- didn't know that you were coming on, so I didn't know much about you. I haven't checked anything on some of the stuff that you do. So why don't you tell the fans a little bit about the charity work that you do for Pros and Joes and, and obviously the fantasy football uh, stuff that you've been doing over the last couple of years. Yeah, so uh, Pros with Joes is a charity fantasy football league. Um, there are many of them out there. They are all doing great work and supporting wonderful causes. Uh, what's different about ours is that every single team that's participating is a set of co-managers. We have a pro, a fantasy professional or an industry professional and a Joe, uh, someone who specifically donated to that pro's charity. Uh, they're entered into a sweepstakes. Whoever wins that sweepstakes gets to co-manage that team along with the, uh, the pro that they donated for in an expert league. So, uh, we're heading to our third year of doing it. Uh, we've had right about 50 teams or 50 pairings participate each year so far, uh, raised just under $20,000 over the last two years for a variety of different causes. So a uh, really cool uh, way to, uh, you know, get to get to interact with the fantasy community to potentially kind of get to ride uh, shotgun with a fantasy expert that you know and trust and to raise some money for a number of good causes. Eric, what kind of pros that you have come play your games? Well, obviously, you probably have some music artists or maybe some basketball players or football players. What? Give us some of the names that have actually played in your charity event. Yeah, so our um, our, our structure is a bit more focused on the the fantasy space. Mm-hmm. So the the pros that we're referring to are people like um, Dave Richard mm-hmm. or Matt Harmon, um, Adam Rank, or Marcus Grant from NFL mm-hmm. Network. So really the, the people that have kind of uh, led the way and, and the more uh, recognizable names in the fantasy content creation space. Um, those are a few examples. We, we've got a pretty uh, pretty diverse crowd of fantasy experts that participate as our Joes. So people that you know started their own thing and they're a couple years in to people that are on 
NFL Network and ESPN every single Sunday. So have you looked into potentially look, uh, looking at uh, athletes as well? Because I know a lot of them play fantasy football. I know there's that whole argument with uh, the baseball players now, Jock Peterson and Mike Trout and all them on, on what it, is that. Is that is that kind of the next step for you? You want to get more in terms of expanding beyond the fantasy community? What do you think is what do you think is your trajectory with that? I think that would be really cool. I may or may not be in Jock Peterson's DMs right now. <laughs> Seize on the moment of that that very public fight. We are talking to co-founders of Pros and Joe's Charity League, Eric Romoff. Hey, Eric, what, what kind of charities do you normally do? Do you have charities coming to you, getting in on the fantasy action? Because I've seen nothing's made more money than some of these fantasy football leagues or some of these fantasy sports leagues. And how many charities are you involved with? And do they come to you or, or do you have to go out and ask them? Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's actually neither. So one of the the wrinkles of our format is that the, the industry pro, the, the fantasy expert that is participating, gets to choose what charity they're supporting. So as opposed to it all going to a singular cause or a couple of causes, it actually goes to support an organization that is near and dear to their heart. So, I mean, we've we've supported and raised money for all of the big ones, right? Um, uh, American Cancer Foundation, Red Cross, um, you know, all, all the names that you, you typically think of, all the way down to like super localized stuff, right? Helping, um, you know, uh, uh, homeless populations in a particular city, uh, helping uh, save and rehabilitate injured wildlife in the upper peninsula of Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, it's been one of the cool parts of, of this, this, this experience for me is really just getting to see all the different types of organizations out there. And while there are so many different things that they're all working to support, the thing that is universal about all of them, that's, that's, truly incredible is they do an amazing job of stretching a dollar, right? They can get $2 in their hands and make something really good come out of it. Um, and, and that's, that's been the, the, the case across the board. So yeah. been uh, been really interesting to see it all come together. I think that's really interesting because you have so many different uh, things that could happen within a community. And then if you can make it that specific, uh, there's so many people out there that need help. So many people hurting so many people, so many causes that are coming out of COVID uh, that I think uh, this to me is a, that's a great way to do it. So congratulations. As everybody knows, we are yep. talking to co-founder of pros and Joe's charity league, Eric Romoff. Eric, why don't we get into some football conversation? Um, we we've seen a change in the NFL, especially in the AFC this off season. A lot of the great quarterbacks from the NFC are starting to move to the AFC. Some of the better defensive players, AKA, Teams and we, we can name some players. Uh, one beast of a man from Chicago is now playing for the Chargers now, uh, as everybody knows. So, what has been the most interesting and more impressive thing that you've seen so far this off season in the NFL? Yeah, I mean the the biggest thing for me has just been the the evolution of of the wide receiver market, right? Um, you know, we think about to when free agency first opened up and. Christian Kirk signed uh, that <laughs> gigantic contract with Jacksonville and it was kind of a punchline mm-hmm. and come to find out what really happened is he entirely reset the wide receiver market, right? Now wide receivers are expecting to be paid as one of, if not you know, the highest uh, contract on their respective teams. And it's kind of created some chaos around the NFL, right? You see names being traded that previously would be untouchable. You see guys that, were, uh, you know, not that long ago, fairly happy with their situation. Now, all of a sudden, you know, holding out of OTAs or wanting to restructure their agreement. 
Uh, I mean, literally in, you know, a 24 hour window, our understanding of the value of this position in the NFL completely flipped on its head. Yeah, it was, it was slotted for a while. There were so many analysts saying, oh, the wide receiver doesn't matter. You don't need it to win Super Bowls. Meanwhile, that was only the Patriots. So uh, two big names that got traded, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, their fantasy value now being on new teams. What do you, Where do you stand on it? We've had a lot of analysts especially say that they're worried about Tyreek Hill in particular. Devontae Adams, we'll see with McDaniel's offense. Where do you stand on those two? Yeah, you know, I – it's it's hard to say, right? Like both of these guys are or were at their previous position I and mean, their previous team, you know, the elite uh, among wide receivers. So to expect that to carry forward, you know, with so many variables, not necessarily the most realistic outcome. But in in terms of you know what is reasonable to expect this year and years to come, I think they're still going to be very much so premier at at their position, right? Um, you know, we're, we're not going to see nearly as many deep shots to Tyreek Hill coming from to attack of Iowa as we, we saw, uh, coming from the arm of, of Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, you look at the back half of this Kansas city season last year, and as a response to the too high shell that they were facing defensively, they pretty much moved to a very quick pass kind of underneath over the middle offense. And Tyreek Hill was able to be just fine. So be a very productive wide receiver one. From a, from a fantasy perspective. So I think we see him get to pretty similar production, but kind of through a different means in Miami. In terms of Devontae Adams moving over to the now Las Vegas Raiders, um, it, the biggest question there is is really Josh McDaniels coming in. You know, you, you look at his history as an offensive coordinator. Generally speaking, what they try to do is get the ball out very quickly to the primary target. So as long as that history holds true, I think that leads to a very heavy workload for Devontae Adams. Obviously, Derek Carr is not Aaron Rodgers, um, but he's certainly a capable NFL quarterback. So if Devontae Adams is getting a uh, huge workload of targets coming from Derek Carr, I think we can also see him finish inside that that top 12 at the position pretty readily. Tyreek Hill might be not getting the uh, the arm strength of Patrick Mahomes, but he's getting the quote-unquote accuracy that he thinks Tua apparently has more of. <laughs> well, Mahomes was uh, really pissed off for everything that Hill has said about the accuracy of Tua. I, I don't know how anybody thinks okay, that right? Tua yeah, that? has uh, a better accurate arm than Patrick Mahomes, except maybe Tyreek Hill. Maybe maybe Tyreek was drinking when he said it or on his podcast. Or maybe he just thinks that saying this is going to bring more press to him. But for him to take – and I'm, listen, I'm, I, I don't think Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. I, I never thought he was. You still have Aaron Rodgers there who's won back-to-back MVPs. And you still have Tom Brady there. And as long as those two guys are there – Patrick Mahomes isn't the best quarterback in the league. I don't know if he will be by the time that happens because you got guys like, uh, I don't know, a guy that played in the Super Bowl last year that looked pretty damn good. And you have a guy right now like Justin Herbert who has an unbelievable team around him, defensively, offensively. I think the Chargers are going to make a run for the Super Bowl this year. They look really, really good on paper. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like uh, about this Chargers team as it was last year. And then they go out and add a guy like – Khalil Mack, and they pretty much nailed their draft uh, a couple months ago. In, J.C. In Jackson, too. Don't certainly, forget about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Certain, certainly a, a, a fun, maybe not so dark horse to, to throw a, a future onto. Eric, you look at here in New York, a lot has been made of the Jets being a popular pick in Vegas. Uh, I think one guy put $5,000 on it, 200 to 1 for them to make the Super Bowl. 
What team do you see as being a sleeper that could maybe make a run like the Bengals um, did last year in in the NFL? I think the first thing that's important to do is to put into context what the Bengals did last year, right? Like the the absolute bottom of their division, last or near the bottom in a number of different statistical categories the year prior, to then turn that around into a Super Bowl run the, the year later is almost unprecedented yep. at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think we're going to see uh, a team like the Jets make their way uh-huh. to the Super Bowl. Uh, un- unfortunately, uh, for that for that guy that put down uh, you know five large on uh, on on that, but there are some teams that I, I think are kind of in that middle of the pack that that can potentially offer some value from a betting perspective. Denver is a team that I really like. Um, you know, I, I think their price is is interesting, and it very much so reflects the the difficulty of their division. But if they happen to make it out of that division, if they happen to sneak in as a wild card. Um, you know, you'll be very happy looking at, um, you know, 20-ish to one, uh, depending on uh, your, your book of choice. As everybody knows, we are talking to co-founder Pros and Joe's Charity League, Eric Romoff. Um, the New England Patriots, uh, we've been hearing a lot of stories out in their camp that Mac Jones looks 100% healthier than he did last year. He, he's, he lost a lot of weight. He's dieting. His arm is a little bit stronger. His accuracy has been fantastic. I, I mean, we all know what the Patriots like to do. They like to run the ball. They, they're four strong running backs. I mean, they, they've been uh, in the offseason very, very quiet. Everybody was questioning Bill Belichick's, uh, you know, obviously draft, uh, taking questions on, on an offensive lineman that a lot of people thought was a late second round, early third round pick. What were your thoughts so far this offseason? They had a very good season last year, and some of the guys really overachieved who they brought in uh, in, in the offseason. What are your thoughts to the Patriots this year? Do you think Mac Jones could take that next step as a quarterback in the AFC? I think it's reasonable to expect progression from him, right? Being con- completely candid, I feel like what we saw out of Mac Jones last year was head and shoulders above what we could have expected from him him coming as a rookie. I don't want to say it's, you know, near his ceiling, but it was certainly the the highest end of the range for his rookie productivity. Now, another year in the league, gaining more experience. Obviously, we talked about it earlier Josh McDaniels has left New England, um, but you know, very much so still within that that Patriot way in that New England system. I mean, he he can certainly take a step forward. I'm just not sure where his uh, you know, fully developed ceiling is in in the NFL. Um, you know, I, I could I could see him being um, you know right around uh, you know top twelve, top fourteen quarterback in the league as soon as this year. Um, but I, I don't know if there's much of a ceiling beyond that um, for for Mac Jones in New England. So a lot of wide receivers right now on the block potentially after Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, and Terry McLaurin, three of them seeking new contracts. Um, do you think they'll re-sign with their current teams? And if not, is there a location that you would like to see any of those guys in? Overwhelmingly, I do. Uh, specifically, I think we see Debo and DK return to their current team. Debo is is just so integral to that offensive scheme that Kyle Shanahan is running there in San Francisco. And I mean, you look at Seattle, you know, they really don't have anywhere else to spend this money, right? He is, uh, you know, arguably, if not definitively, their best player and the type of player that they want to build around. So those two in particular, I think it's more likely than not that we see them uh, ultimately staying place. Terry McLaurin is an, an interesting one. That was a name that really jumped out to me. It did not seem like the the Washington commanders were going to be keen on paying him 
what is now the market rate. And so far, it looks like it's it's playing out that way. In terms of where he lands, that's so difficult to, to pin down right now, right? With with this uncertainty around wide receivers, it seems like NFL front offices are pretty definitively jumping into either side of the camp, right? They they lean into the fact this is a valuable asset and they have to pay in order to have a premier talent at the position, or they want nothing to do with it. And they trade away A.J. Brown for you know, resetting the clock on a, on a rookie. So it's hard to get a gauge for which teams are going to be, um, you know, on, on either side of that spectrum. I ideal landing case, uh, ideal case scenario in terms of, you know, where I would like to see him play. I'd love to see him pair up with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, bring some real power to that wide receiver room Mm -hmm. in green Bay. But um, you know, that front office based on how they treated Devontae Adams Mm -hmm. probably isn't going to be the most aggressive in that trade market. Good, Mark. When you when you look at fantasy football, what comes out to you as far as uh, a position that doesn't get that recognized that goes on to be successful in winning a league? Like you know, the running backs got to score touchdowns. You know, wide receivers got to have a lot of yards and a lot of receiving touchdowns. Quarterbacks got to throw touchdowns. Is it uh, something on a, a defense that they pick or a field goal kicker? What do you think gets the most unrecognized in being successful in some of these leagues? That's kind of difficult to say, right? I think with that level of granularity, it, it largely comes down to sort of the format or the scoring system of the particular league. One thing that I think is, you know, universally underappreciated is just how additive a quarterback who is capable as a runner is to a fantasy football team. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Jalen Hurts, depending on scoring format, finished between QB2 and QB4 last year. Yep. And there wasn't a whole lot about his passing attack that was all that prolific right but Mm -hmm. if he's going to continue to score touchdowns with his feet if he's going to stack up you know even uh, a a moderate day at the office in terms of of rushing yards right he goes out and gets you 40 yards rushing that's the equivalent of a touchdown in most most or passing touchdown at least in most most formats right so um you know very much so the rise of the mobile quarterback has been a theme for the nfl for the last you know decade and a half or so but just how much that translates to a successful fantasy outcome is something that I think is a bit, a uh, bit slept on. And how, like, how do you guys de- decide that for each league that you're in, the scoring system? Is it is it the same for each league, or do you guys get to negotiate that? I mean, at least as far as I'm concerned, it should be up for negotiation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, for for me, I I mean, I, I carry more leagues than I like to admit on. Know, national radio or anything um, but one of one of the stipulations for me to take on a new league is there there has to be some wrinkle to it mm-hmm. um, it has to be 14 teams or 16 teams it has to have a premium for tight end production right. or you have to start one running back instead of two uh, all, all of the variety of leagues that I carry um, there's at least some differentiation from one to the other so that way um, you know, the the strategy and kind of the line that I take in trying to win a championship is uh, at least incrementally different from the other leagues that I that I hold. We are talking to co-founder Pros and Joe's Charity League, Eric Romoff, fantasy football guru as well. This offseason's been very, very interesting. And we, we mentioned the Jets, we mentioned New England, but really some of the other teams that really stand out uh, that didn't do anything. And now we're here in Baker Mayfield could be a Panther by the end of the week, which is Crazy to say that, that they have Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, the one and three a couple of years ago, going going to be a Carolina Panther fighting for the same position. Crazy to say that. But 
really the AFC, the transition of the AFC West with the Chiefs, the Raiders, with obviously uh, McDaniels and, and obviously Adams and, and, and that built that, that new team with well, the way it was built. Uh, and obviously the Chargers and the Broncos. When you look at that division, I think this is probably one of the best divisions we've seen in a very, very long time where you can predominantly see three out of the four teams make the playoffs. What is the surprise in this division, and what really stands out going into the season? Is it Russell Wilson being a Bronco and, and really revamping that offense, a Bronco offense that hasn't been the same since really when uh, uh, Peyton Manning was there early early at the time that he was there? Or maybe the Raiders with Josh McDaniels, with Derek Carr and his buddy Devontae Adams and, 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 and all the different weapons they have over there that really has trans, you know, transfused uh, this team. So what, what has really stood out in the AFC West so far this offseason? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on that it has been an arms race in, in that division. And I, I, I tend to agree. I, I would not be surprised if we see three teams make the playoffs out of this division in particular. Um, in terms of kind of the, the largest seismic shift, it's, it's got to be Russell Wilson heading into to Denver, right? Um, you know, Devontae Adams is obviously a big splash. Um, you know, the, the defensive additions that they've, they've tacked on there for the Chargers obviously make a huge impact. But nothing is going to move the needle like going from some combination of Drew Locke and Teddy Two Gloves to who I feel should be a Hall of Fame quarterback in, in Russell Wilson. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it easily is the biggest increase in their, their position, um, you know, in, in terms of what they've added to their team. In terms of what that nets them, I mean, you know, they, they get to do all this and, you know, fight for third place in that division. But that might be good enough to still make the playoffs. So strategy-wise, you look at drafting running backs early, and also a lot of guys counter that with the zero wide res- or zero running backs that a lot of fantasy analysts like to do. And also the tight ends, drafting them early too. A lot of people did that with Travis Kelsey last year and Darren Waller, guys like that. And while the- Kelsey still did well, he was kind of streaky. So where do you stand on the strategy aspect of kind of these, I guess, extreme strategies? Yeah, you know, Overall, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of heading in with a definitive strategy, right? I kind of like to play the board a little bit more and try to attack the the value as as it falls to me. Um, you know, all of these strategies have uh, credence in in their own right, but because they're you know well documented and well understood, they also have a pretty clear way to counter it, right? So I, I think the the best strategy overall is to have. Um, you know, a, a very clear understanding of how you value the players in your drafts and specifically break those player values into tiers. Um, and then, you know, really just play the, the board as it falls. If, you know, if, if there's value that's screaming at you, a guy that is, you know, five, eight, 12 picks uh, available, five, eight, 12 picks later than they should, it's going to be in your best interest to select that player and then adjust course as, as the draft goes on. You saw you saw Baltimore last year being at eight and three, and then you know, Lamar Jackson was considered one of the best quarterbacks, winning the MVP a couple of years ago, and then the struggle that they had toward the end of the year, where they they just couldn't seem to win a game, and then they wind up falling eight and nine. How do you see Baltimore being part of the AFC North? And we know the struggle with Deshaun Watson is, is he even going to play, and then what that means for for 
Cleveland, and then you have obviously Cincinnati and how they came out of nowhere to win the division. Do you see Baltimore being a team that can get back to be where the big boys are in the AFC? I definitely like Baltimore to to finish uh, ahead of where they they did last season. Um, you know, it's I, I think it goes a little bit underrated just how injured Lamar Jackson was down that stretch run. Right, he he missed a number of games. He kind of hobbled his way through a, a handful of others. So I, I think having him back and and fully healthy really sets the trajectory for this team. The other thing to to consider for me is I I think this division gets a little bit softer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the Bengals won the division. They improved their position over the course of the offseason. Um, so I, I still have them as the favorite to win the AFC North. But ultimately, I, I think we see the Mitchell Trubisky-led Steelers take a little bit of a step back. And to a question that you at least kind of teased, I don't think we see Deshaun Watson right. play much, if, if at all, this season in Cleveland. The way that that the restructuring of his contract played out and how that was what pushed him over the edge to choose Cleveland seems like a pretty big signal that they are expecting him to face some sort of considerable suspension. So, um, you know, I I tend to look at at what people do as opposed to what people say um, and everything they're doing tells me that it's reasonable to expect that the Browns will be without him for a good chunk of games, if not the entire season. So yeah, uh, those two things, I, I think, you know, create a path for Baltimore this year. I, I know Peter King said that was probably the worst contract ever given out in the history of football, the situation that uh, Cleveland's made for themselves with Deshaun Watson. Do you see Baker Mayfield maybe even getting, you know, with, with that uncertainty, them going back to Baker, or is that pretty much done? Yeah, I, I think I think that that bridge is entirely burned. Um which you know leads to an interesting point about these these uh, trade rumors with with Carolina, right? Like, seemingly it it feels like all paths lead to Baker Mayfield being released out of Cleveland, and so if that's the case, I mean, I don't see why anybody would you know step forward and willingly give away any sort of significant capital to to try to acquire a guy that is likely going to be released in you know a, a couple weeks, if not a couple months time. As everybody knows, we are talking to co-founder of Pros and Joes Charity League, Eric Romoff. Um, The NFC East is so very interesting because uh, we all know how horrible this division is. It's probably the worst division in football. It's crazy to say that. We've seen this back and forth, year in and year out. You got the Cowgirls, who (laughs) really have lost a significant amount of pieces this offseason. They really reached in the draft in every single category from first, second, third, fourth, fifth. You have uh, Jerry Jones showing everybody their cards and throwing their cards out there like an idiot after the draft. And the Eagles, I think, have made the biggest leap. I mean, adding Jordan Davis, uh, trading for A.J. Brown. I mean, this team was a playoff team last year. has gotten better in the offseason. They have a prolific offensive uh, talent like A.J. Brown now coming to the team with Devontae uh, Smith. So what is it with this division? What team really has lo- does look like the team that's going to take over this division moving forward? And is there any thought in your mind that this division could turn everything around this year and surprise the world as uh, me seeing it the way it is as the worst division in all of football? I don't know if I'd say this is going to be the worst division in all of football, um, but keep in mind that um, I am a Houston Texans fan, so I get uh, I get direct line of sight to the dumpster fire that is the AFC South. Um, but it, it's certainly not going to be the best, right? Um, in in terms of how how the division shakes out, 
I mean, you, you really touched on the points, right? Like overall, you know, maybe if you're, if you're a Carson Wentz kind of guy, you can argue that the, the commanders haven't improved their, their stock over the course of the off season. But, you know, even, even giving them the benefit of the doubt, Philadelphia has improved their team by leaps and bounds, especially relative to the rest of this division. So, you know, it's, it's all going to come down to whether or not we see uh, Jalen Hurts take a, a year three step forward. And, and if he does, I, I think Philadelphia wins this division pretty comfortably. So rookie wide receivers, a lot of them were drafted this year, probably I think five of six picks at one point in this draft. Now, obviously a lot has changed with the Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase's rookie year. So I'm not saying they necessarily have the years that they had, but could you see any of these guys being like a 2016 Michael Thomas, a 2018 Calvin Ridley, where they're really just the instant impact right away at their ADPs and good value? Yeah, I, I think the the important thing to touch on off the top there is just how unprecedented the rookie seasons of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson over these last few years have been, right? Um, you know, it, it feels weird seeing it in back-to-back years, but it is the exception and and not the rule. Um, you know, to, to your, your broader question, absolutely. And I, I think it ties back into our conversation about, you know, the, the, the viewpoint of the wide receiver position in the NFL. Many of the teams that um, decided to spend early first round draft capital on a wide receiver were doing so in direct contrast to paying their already very talented, somewhat veteran receiver, the new market rate, right? As opposed to forking out that huge contract, they hit the reset button, they ship out A.J. Brown, and they draft Traylon Burks, right? And because that's the case, I'm expecting this Titans front office, as I carry forward with that example, to really look to continue to inject young wide receiver talent as opposed to eventually pay that second contract. So they very much so have a direct incentive and everything they've told us about their philosophy around the position says that they are going to make Traylon Burks an immediate part of this offense. I think a very similar uh, case is, is, is in Atlanta with Drake London. Um, obviously you have Calvin Ridley who's suspended for, um, for the entire year. Maybe that gets reduced a bit. But those are two guys that I think are going to immediately have uh, considerable opportunity. And, I mean, all of these front offices are racing against the clock until these rookie ride receivers ask for or demand their, their second contract. So they're going to try to get the most out of them while they're still relatively affordable. Packers, Buccaneers, last question for me. You look at these two teams, obviously the quarterbacks, uh, Aaron Rodgers, who's won back-to-back MVPs, no Devontae Adams. Uh, they bring in a, a wide receiver in a second round, and C- a Christian um, uh, Watson. Watson, who a lot of people like. And, and I don't know. I think he's still a reach. I think he was drafted a little too early, if you ask me. But uh, they didn't bring in another one. Number one, you would think with the two first-round draft picks, they would move up for one of those co- wide receivers. They all fell really amongst, you know, from 8 to really 16, and they were gone off the board, so they couldn't really make a move for a big wide receiver, and there was really nothing they could do in the offseason to bring in, like, an Odell Beckham, because you don't know when he's coming back, or anybody else, because there was nobody available, and they weren't going to trade anything for Tyreek Hill, because they can't overpay for him, because they overpaid for their quarterback, who I think is the, the best quarterback in the NFL and makes everybody around him better. And then Tom Brady coming back, he retires, he doesn't retire, he retires, he doesn't retire. He's back again, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. with this team. And this team really didn't lose that many pieces. Uh, Leonard Fournette looks like he's trying to go to the Patriots. Now he's not going to the Patriots. I don't know what the hell is going on with some of the players. But this team is back. 
With these two quarterbacks, do you think that these two quarterbacks can make a run again this year to go for another Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough with them being in, in the same conference, right? You know, by, um, you know, just, just mathematically, they, they both can't make it out of the yeah. NFC. But I certainly think that they are going to be contenders to come out of the NFC. Um, I gave up on trying to play the father time card against Tom Brady like a decade ago. So I'm not going to start saying that now. Um, but yeah, very much so. The overwhelming majority of the pieces are back there in Tampa Bay, um, you know, Arguably the the biggest question mark in terms of getting back to last year's roster is Rob Gronkowski, and at least all indications are he's going to party over the course of the summer and stumble back <laughs> into camp uh, somewhere midway through the preseason. So I expect to see him back in Tampa Bay. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, even if they were to have selected one of the you know kind of top you know early first round wide receivers, it is almost impossible to replace a talent like Devontae Adams. So. Um, you know, Christian Watson has some incredibly large shoes to fill. Um, so I, I don't think we see quite as prolific a passing game out of Green Bay as we have in seasons past. But I do think that we still see a, a very, a very efficient passing offense. I think we see Aaron Rodgers distributing the ball to a number of different players, including Aaron Jones. I think will take a step forward as a receiver out of the backfield. Um, and ultimately, this offense will be very effective for Green Bay as well. All right, a sleeper you love and a guy that people love that you think is going to be a reach this year, a bad pick. Um, I guess I'll start with the latter. Um, you know, it, as a result of Marquise Hollywood Brown being traded to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Rashad Bateman's stock has absolutely skyrocketed. Mm. Um, he is a very capable sophomore wide receiver. There's a lot of things to like about his skill set and about his game. But the thing that I think is being overlooked is that the reason why Hollywood Brown wanted out of Baltimore is just how uh, underutilized the the passing game is, and specifically the passing game to wide receivers. So Bateman is very much so the one in Baltimore, but that's not going to lead to the typical workload that we associate with a wide receiver one in today's NFL. So I think he's going a little bit too high. In terms of some of my sleepers, I mean – it it really ebbs and flows, you know, from from week to week. Um, over you know over the last couple of weeks, I've found myself getting a lot of Ezekiel Elliott. He's really started to slip into kind of the mid fourth round pretty consistently. And while I don't think we see the Zeke of a couple years ago, he still had over a thousand yards. He was one of seven guys to surpass his touch volume that he did last year, and he was doing most of that while banged up. So this O line better. Um, they're certainly getting healthier. He has the offseason to get healthy. So to be able to scoop up a guy that, you know, should have 60, 65% of the workload uh, behind one of the better uh, offensive lines in, in the league, happy to do that midway through the, the fourth. You know, you, you rewind a few weeks prior, Darnell Mooney coming off of his 140 targets last year in an offense that was allowing Justin Fields to throw the ball like 12 times a game. I mean, he was slipping well into the seventh and eighth rounds, you know, now his ADP has started to climb back up. So less value there, but a guy that I still love targeting and think very much so as a wide receiver two that potentially has wide receiver one upside. If, if Justin Fields takes a step forward this year. Um, so yeah, the, the best thing to really do is just keep an eye on, on where these guys are being, being drafted, right. Jump into, uh, you know, uh, best ball drafts, jump into mock drafts, and, and really use that as an opportunity to gauge the market and how the market feels about a player. And 
you know, anytime that a player moves considerably in one way or the other, is usually an indicator that something has changed um, in terms of, of public perception, and you can probably take advantage of that. Well, we really appreciate you giving us our uh, half an hour. I, I, and we love getting the guests on. We want to give them enough time on our show where they can get out all the information and all the different things that they're doing, not only with their charity work or some of the sponsors and advertisements that they do, but everything that you do with what you're great at in fantasy sports. So thank you for joining us. Tell the fans how they can find you, Eric. Yeah, uh, best way to find me is on Twitter. That's at FantasyNav. Uh, I contribute for DrRoto.com, for GoingForTwo.com. Uh, I have a new project we spun up a few months ago called Green Screens Media. But all of that is consolidated and rolled up into my Twitter handle, which is at FantasyNav. We really appreciate you joining us. We'll get you on very, very soon. You're great. Thank you for all the information, and uh, as everybody knows, uh, he's the co-founder of Pros and Joe's Charity League, Eric Romoff. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me on, guys. Eric Romoff, ladies and gentlemen, nice guy. Knows his stuff, by the way. Yep. Uh, we went through the ins and the outs of the NFL, so nobody could say that we were taking or talking about the Jets and the Giants because we're here in New York. I don't think we mentioned much of anything with the Jets and the Giants, maybe one thing. It was – I actually asked a question about New England, mm-hmm. something I didn't I, – I, I could have asked him, well, who do you think won the draft, everybody? Was it the Jets, the Giants, or somebody else? Uh, That's but, pretty good, that voice. I like you know, but uh, <laughs> I, I obviously I went uh, a different way. But uh, thank you to Eric. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the NBA. Yes, we are. We're going to get into James Harden getting a contract. <laughs> uh, who cares what he gets? It's not going to make a difference. He's not winning anything, and he's not going anywhere. But the 76ers to lose with Mr. Docky Rivs. Yes. Uh, we will get into the NBA Finals as game number six is going on right now as the Warriors could destruct. Yes, destruct the Celtics in Boston. When we come back, we'll get into Steph Curry and his stupid shimmy here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. Oh, I like this. Anybody know this dance? I can do it. Jump on it. Jump on it. Jump on it. That's right, Tyler. Jump on it, baby. As you know, this is the Sports Lab Mouth. 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwide. There he is. WorldwideSportsRadio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Thank you to Eric Romoff. Uh, our special guest is going to be leaving in just a few minutes. So um, he wanted to get into something quickly about the NBA Finals and Steph Curry, trying to compare and contrast the top 10 players of all time and where does he fit in with the top 10. And he was saying, and I, I'll, I'll let him speak in just one second, that there's really nowhere you can fit him in that top 10 mm-hmm. because there's so many great players. But for a guy... That's been to four. If he wins a championship, that's four in six years. It's pretty amazing, but it's team. It's not one player. Basketball is all about team. And, and, and yes, he's one of the greatest shooters of all time. He likes to do a shimmy. He likes to show off. He didn't play so well in game number five, ladies and gentlemen. 
So uh, to sit here and say that he's one of the greatest of all times, I don't even think he's a top five point guard of all time. So to sit here and sure. say that he's the greatest, one of the top ten greatest players of all time, it's amazing that he's won four championships. That says a lot. He also played with Kevin Durant for two years or three years. I mean, that's not too shabby. Kevin Durant, yep. Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson before he got hurt, and Draymond Green. I mean, how, uh, and, and now you have a team like this, who, by the way, Andrew Wiggins has been the best player in this series. And if he doesn't win the MVP, it's a catastrophe because he's been the best player in the series. He shut down arguably one of the best offensive players in this whole playoff in Jason Tatum, who was going hot into this series. So, But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but before I get into that, what, what I've been doing a lot down in Alabama is uh, doing special presentations on Jackie Robinson's 75th anniversary of him breaking into uh, baseball. So when I come back Tuesday, I'd like to Absolutely. talk about that. Some of the, the places I've gone and, and uh, some of the uh, topics I covered have been very interesting. And to me, it's really taught me a lot. But you look at something like Steph Curry. And I, I came up with a list uh, towards the end of the year. I had one of the students uh, where I saw tell me Tiger Woods was the greatest athlete ever. And then mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. okay, how am I going to compare that? Because probably basketball is the one that you really have the most as far as who is the greatest, whether it's Jordan, whether it's Kobe, whether it's LeBron, whether – and I came up with those guys and then Chamberlain, uh, Jabbar. I put uh, Magic on that list, Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. And you broke down how many playoff wins, how many uh, scoring titles, how many uh, finals MVP, regular season MVP – it's very hard to put Steph Curry in there. But as far as winning like finals MVP or winning with great players, all of those teams had great players. I mean, Worthy won the finals MVP in 88. Cedric Maxwell won the finals MVP in 1981 with Larry Bird. So it's not like you necessarily have to win and be the best player of the finals you're in. Certainly Magic, when he played, was a guy that dished the ball out and gave the ball around. Curry is a little over now, but... I think early on in his career, the way he broke, I think he's one of the best shooters I've ever seen, and he's changed the game totally. But to me, one of his biggest failures was blowing that 3-1 to lead against LeBron in a year where they set the record for most wins. And then, like you said, once they got Kevin Durant, they were expected to win. So that was kind of like LeBron going to Miami. And, okay, they're, they're so the best team. Can we really put them on the same par that you would the Lakers when they were beating you know, Magic when he was being Larry Bird and, and the Celtics? And every year going up against a team that was equal to them, if not better than them. I think with the Heat, those four years, even though they only won two titles, and really should have not won that, that other title when the Spurs blew that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they, they couldn't close them out in, in six games. On paper, they were so good. And then when they had Durant, they were kind of like that team so if, if you're gonna say a couple negative things about him that's what I would say uh it's, it's those things that he played with Durant that he blew that 3-1 series lead and that he's not as marketable or a bigger guy you think of right away when this is the guy's the reason for you know the showcase of the league or in Kobe's class or Magic's class or Bird's class or Jordan's class it's really hard to put anybody in those guys category and then a guy like Chamberlain, who's so awesome mm. physically, it's hard to really look past anything he's done. He led the league in scoring, led the league in rebounding, led the league in assists one year, decided when he didn't, didn't want to be as dominating in those other categories. Then you got a guy like Tim Duncan, um, a guy like Shaq. There's so Akeem many guys. Akeem Olajuwon. Absolutely, Akeem Olajuwon. So many guys you could put in the top ten. Oscar Robinson, Jerry West, uh, that 
to me, are better than Curry. Not that Curry's not great, and it's hard to say after he's winning now. Is it was a fourth, fifth title in, mm-hmm. in six, seven years? But um, it's really hard when you look at the, the great players in NBA history to say that he's definitely better than these guys. Mm-hmm. There's no way he's definitely better. Is it worth the discussion? Yeah. Uh, if it's he not even the, the best five. He's, I don't I, think he's a top I, I five point guard. So, I, I, I agree. It's I hard mean, to put him there. Is he better than Magic? Is he better than nope. Isaiah Thomas? No. I, uh, I, is he better than Jason Kidd? I mean, honestly. Yeah, Jason Kidd was a very underrated. Uh, underrated. Defensively, offensively. He wasn't a great shooter like Steph, but he no, did everything no, else better. He was one of the greatest passers we've ever seen. Plus, he turned around the Nets. I mean, the Nets were nothing. And he led them single-handedly to the finals a couple of years. I mean, he was an old man when he won a championship with Dallas. But yep. uh, yeah, look right. what he did with the Dallas Mavericks this year. taking over for Rick Carlisle, who won a championship as the coach. so And he was a part of that team when Rick Carlisle yep. was the coach. So, John Stockton. I, I, I mean, John Stockton. I mean, there was so many guys that played the point. How about right now, Chris Paul? Is, yeah. is he better well, than Chris yes, Paul? Yes, because Paul can't just – he seems to be cursed. No, I don't think he's cursed. He, Chris Paul, if you look at the numbers, and we've proven the, we've proven the numbers and we brought the numbers in, Chris Paul, everywhere he's gone, he's he's led that team. It didn't matter where it was. They, he never got over the hump to win championships. Yeah, he's got to do that. That has a lot to do with injuries. Yeah. And, and remember, I, he's right. never played with a prolific offensive talent but, like guys like Kevin Durant. If he played with Kevin Durant, he wins. If he played with uh, 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 LeBron James, he would have won. He's if, had some situations, though, that have been hard to explain, like blowing that lead when he was with the Clippers and you know, playing with Griffin. I mean, he's, he's played, but he's played with some guys that you put him in positions where, okay, this looks like it's going to be Griffin the year. Griffin was never an elite player. He wasn't. Everybody overrated him. But he's been in positions where he was expected to win, and he did. I'm not saying it's all his fault. I mean, he's had some bad luck. That's what I mean. I, when I say curse, I don't mean he's cursed. I think the things that have happened to him Let me are, ask really, you a are really hard. Let me ask you a question. If Chris Paul was on that team with Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and all the other players— do they win yeah, those then, championships? Then he should go there. Uh, they should. They, <laughs> they would have. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Durant did that. Look, Durant wouldn't have won a championship if he didn't join. So, if, if the league didn't stop him from going to play with Kobe, he would have won those championships with Kobe. I, I, I think he should. I think now is the time where he needs to go and win because he's done just about but everything. Honestly, he put on a, he put on an unbelievable performance in this playoffs this year. Some of the games he didn't miss any shots. He I mean, was he was unbelievable this year. He was unbelievable. So it's not that he was plays on a young team, and he's the leader of that team. I, yes, he plays with Booker. I, I, I think that just in his over his career, he's had some really weird, strange things happen to him that have been unfortunate. I don't think it's his fault, but it, until he wins, he's always going to have that stigma. Well, I, maybe winning, but as far as elite, I'm thinking if, if you look at who he is as a player, he's better than Steph Curry at his position. And uh, Steph Curry is, am- is amongst the league's best at his position. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. He's not the best right now. I mean, I I could take one or two guys right now. right now. Is he better than John Morant? He's not. He's not better player than John Morant. John Morant is. And if if John Morant did get hurt in that series, who knows what would have happened if Poole didn't pull his knee and and he lost. Maybe maybe Golden State's not here. Maybe maybe the Grizzlies are there. You know, anything could happen. Dallas, yeah. Or Dallas is there. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have known. But, we, again, John Morant was the best player in that series. And anybody that argues mm-hmm. that is an idiot because yep. they don't know what the hell they're watching. But the, but, uh, the who's and the what's and it could it be the fact that they're back winning is a credit to them. They well, deserve yeah, it. but look, look at the that. team that they have. Yeah, I, I know. But I mean, Jordan Poole's become a star. A lot of good teams don't win. No, so they're, they're winning. They're, and, how do you? How could you not? Well, with, yeah, but, with the you, talent you have around you, easily. Because I mean, you, oh, yeah? not all great teams win. So no, you're right. But you, you got to give them credit for for that. And not not that they're the greatest team ever, but the fact that they keep winning 
they came back and won this year after they were totally dismantled because of injuries and stopped winning when all their guys were hurt. They came back like Lakers did that one year, you know, in 2020, and kind of won like to me a, a fixed year. You know, it would be funny but, if the Celtics come back in this game, win this game, yeah. and go to the go to Golden State and knock them off, which could happen. It could. I mean, it, when they lost to I'd the Cavaliers to that year, I, I that Golden State Warriors. I did not. You just want to stick it to Wes. No, I want to. I, I don't care if Wes wins or lose. <laughs> I I can't stand Steph Curry. I grew. I, I I followed him in Davidson. I respect him for what he's done for the game of basketball. He's ruined the game of basketball. This game is ruined because I, every kid wants to be Steph I, Curry. I agree with a lot of that. He's I, ruined the game. I, I, I he's changed the game. I don't think it's been that good. I don't think it's for the, the game's better. Game's boring. Nobody yeah. wants to watch it until the playoffs. I don't think it's for the better. But you you just even if you like him, don't like him. What he's accomplished has been incredible. Um, and I mean, Golden State wasn't winning championships before he's got there. Now I, I feel bad for a guy like Mark Jackson, who was a great coach, who just mm-hmm. seems to be forgotten right. in all of this. But uh, if they win now, and then again, if they were able to come back and win next year, uh, you got to give they're this not winning. credit. They're not winning next year. This I is, didn't think they'd win this no. year. I did. I, I thought they had a chance because I, I there was something about this Phoenix. And by the way, Phoenix is not going to be the same team because they're going to lose Aiton. He's going to be a free agent. They're not bringing him back. He's going somewhere else. I, I mean, there are pl- plenty of teams that are going to be looking for a big man with athletic ability that's only 22, 23 years old. So they're going to lose their big man because they overpaid Booker. And the, and now, you know, they had to bring Chris Paul back because he's been, the, the you know, the face of the organization since he's been there. I think the game has changed. And I think if you look at the game as a whole, the way Golden State has changed the game with Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and now Jordan Poole, it's become a three-point league. Yeah, and if absolutely. You score, if you score, if you hit 30 to 35 three-point shots a game, you're going to win probably 75% yep. of the time. And that's the way. Look at the Knicks. They shot so many threes this year. It didn't help them because they don't have shooters like Steph Curry yep, and Clay did. Thompson you're and right. Janet, Jordan Poole. But the game has changed. It's not that rough defensive style yep. of ball. And, and listen, Draymond Green needs to shut the hell up. <laughs> okay? This man should not be opening his mouth about the pass because – Dude, if you played with Charles Barkley or Shaquille O'Neal Rodman. or Rodman, they would kick the living daylights out of you, Rodman especially opening him. opening your big fat mouth saying, well, th- these players only, you know, the players that are talking to the players that weren't any good in those times. Okay, could you stop? You're no good. You're playing on a team with a, great, with a bunch of great shooters, and you talk the crap that you do, and then you take shots at your best friend and Kevin Durant all over social media because he got knocked out early in the playoffs. What? What about you, buddy? Because all I could say sitting here today is saying that you are a lopsided ass who <laughs> likes to show his you-know-what on stupid social media because you can't get a girl in real life. And now you're married like a moron sitting there and telling everybody, I've got a podcast. I've got everybody listening to me. Anybody that listens to you is a jackass, okay? So I, I'm so tired of listening to this man. The man doesn't know what he's talking about. He knows basketball. It's great. You play on a great team. You have a, you have a, Steve Kerr is a terrible coach, okay? He's just got a bunch of – I could stand there with a clipboard and tell you what to do. Give me a break. All right, Steph, you are, we're going to get you around over here. Pick top side of the key. Shoot the three. We win the game, okay? That's it. I mean, this is what the game's turned into. Pick and rolls at the top of the key. It's not fun anymore. 
Why am I going to sit here and win? And then you listen to guys like James Harden and watch James Harden play. He can't win a big game because the guy is the same guy we've seen year in and year out. I love Russell, Russell Westbrook. The guy's not a winner. You know why? Because he does the same thing years in and year out. The great players like LeBron James, who, let's, let's be honest, I don't like LeBron James as a political guy or what he does, but he's an entrepreneur. That's great. Shut your damn mouth. You're a great basketball player. But the fact is, is that every time LeBron James goes somewhere or does something, Thing, and he does anything good, everybody takes shots at him because he thinks he's the king of basketball and he doesn't know when to shut up in the political way. He's a fantastic player. If nobody thinks that LeBron James is the second greatest ba- basketball mm-hmm. player of all time, mm-hmm. you're an idiot. Okay? A giant idiot. Is he better than Michael Jordan? Never will be. Mm-hmm. He never will be. And there will never be a guy like Michael Jordan in any sport again. But to sit here today and say LeBron James is not a top three, top two player of all time, you put Kobe Bryant there. Yeah, Kobe was great. He also played with one of the most dominant players of all time, Jaquiel O'Neal, who was a dominant force. When they won those titles back-to-back-to-back years, who was the MVP? It wasn't Kobe. It was Shaq. So we sit here today and we talk about players and dominance of their era. Let's be honest. The most dominant force of this era for the last 20 years is no other than LeBron James. So Draymond Green, keep stepping on penises and whatever the hell you keep on stepping on because that's what you like to do. You like opening your mouths after the game. You like talking the crap that you like talking. Sit back, relax, and shut up. That's all I'm going to say. And if you win another title, good for you. It's not because of you, nor will it ever be. Stuck says, hey, Steph Curry won with and without KD. He won one. And he didn't. He wasn't the MVP in that series, was he? Was he? No, he was not. I mean, good good teams have guys that can win MVPs mm-hmm. that don't have to be the best player. You know, Let me ask like you a question. Yeah. Every time LeBron James won, did he win the MVP? Pretty probably, sure. Probably, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he did, prob- yeah. Probably. Okay. Every time. Michael, I, I hold said, on. Hold on. Okay. Every time Michael Jordan won, did he always win the MVP? He did. Yes. Okay. One. Another question. Tim Duncan, besides the two, the last, the last one he won, did he win the MVP every single time? No. When, besides, but he, he didn't. I mean, you one just said time, so. One time. I'm, I'm talking about when he got older. He's still with the anchor of that but team. But Jordan still, still won, yeah, no matter when. What, what he was Tim playing. Duncan won three or four MVPs of the five that he won. But and I, it was because he was the main reason why they won. He was the anchor of that team. And then they haven't won since. You would have said the same thing probably about, about Bird. Elijah like, won? Yeah, uh, well, Elijah won one, two. Was he Duncan MVP? won three out of the five. It, it, Tony Parker won one, and then Kawhi Leonard. Elijah Wan was on a team that he was by far the best player. And these other teams, like the Celtics, like the Lakers, uh, with Magic. Elijah Wan played with, uh, you know, Elijah Wan played, but he played with nobody except for Drexler that one year. Drexler. And that was, that was one year. was pretty damn good. Yeah, but the year before. He also played he with had, Charles Barkley. And he didn't win with Barkley. All right, but he still yeah. played with Charles no, Barkley. No, but I'm saying the teams that he won with, the, the 94 Rocket team was awful. There was him and nobody else. Uh, Ori was good, but Ori was not, good. Or, Maxwell was good. Maxwell he was, was he, he was, was John, a superstar. He was uh, he was John Starks. Okay, the exactly the and Knicks the and the Rockets were exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You had and they Charles Smith being like Ori. You had Starks and you had Vernon Maxwell. You had Kenny Smith and you had Derek Harper. Yeah. They were like carbon copies of each other. Yeah. Both awful teams. Elijah Wan was better than Ewing. Jordan to me, you can't compare anybody to him. Because he's going to win the MVP because he was clearly the best player, the guy that took the big shots and all that. The other teams had guys that had good series every once in a while and then would be the best player. Joe Dumars won MVP in the 1989 NBA Finals, okay? Not Isaiah. You know, so 
even though Isaiah was probably the best player of James Worthy, won in 88 for the Lakers, even though they had magic. So you can have a guy have a good series and not it be the best player. That's my only point. Carl says they had Clyde Drexler as well. Mm-hmm. I, I said that. The fact is, is he sit back and One he did year. say that. He did. He did say that. But the fact, the fact is, is that the reason why they're winning is not just Steph Curry. Okay. And, and in this series, if they don't give, if, if, if Golden State wins this series or wins tonight, to me, the best player of the, you know, throughout this series has been Andrew Wiggins. To shut down Jason Tatum to, I think he has 11 points right now or 12 points. I mean, th- that says it all. You keep Jason Tatum out of the 20s. Jason Tatum, you know, in certain series, especially against Milwaukee, was scoring 40. Okay? He averaged, uh, I think, 30 points in that series. Every single series, he averaged close to 30 points. In this series, he's been averaging less than 20. Wiggins was a former number one pick. I mean, this guy's a good player. He's a shutdown defender. Yeah, he's a good player. And he's he's doing everything. He's rebounding. He's scoring. He's doing everything that you need him to do to win this series. You shut down Jason Tatum, you win. And that's what they've been doing. That's what they've been doing. That when he was shutting down Jalen Brown in in the first two games, uh, obviously Tatum was playing well. Now you you put him on Jason Tatum, who's their best player. You shut him down. You keep uh, you you keep the uh, you know the pace of the game to a low you know a bare minimum, and that's why Golden State has been the better defensive team in this series. But outside of Jordan, I don't think there's been any team that won championships clearly with a guy that they couldn't win without. Like, definitely Jordan was the main reason. You could take any of the other teams that have won championships, and they all had role players that needed to play their role in mm-hmm. order for them to win. Jason Tatum has 11 points tonight. He has seven assists. Jalen Brown leads the Celtics with 24 at the mm-hmm. moment. And he's not defending him, obviously. Right. As you see, he's, Wiggins is defending Jason Tatum, and that's why Jason Tatum has 11 points. That's the facts. Five for 14 shooting, one for four from three. They right know now. that if Jason Tatum's hot and you get Jalen Brown giving 18 points, they're going to win the game. Because Jason Tatum will score 40, 45 points. Jalen Brown doesn't do that. No. He doesn't do that. Jason Tatum does. So you put your best defensive player on him, and he's doing all the other stuff good. He's scoring. I, I, like I said, he's got 12 points, five rebounds, four assists. To me, he's the best player on he's that team. He's got four steals, and he's, two blocks. And he's so. played the most minutes. He's played 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. So when, that when, tells you. When Magic and Jordan played in 91, <clears throat> the reason why that series changed after Lakers won game one is because they put Pippen on Magic, and he harassed him all the way up the court and took the Lakers totally out of their offense. So you can have a guy, a defensive guy. Pippen was probably one of the best defensive players I ever saw. Do I think he was a great player offensively? He was a great open-court player, but I think he was an awful half-court player. And back then, the NBA was a lot different. So... Wiggins is an 18-point <clears throat> score t- player. He, yeah, well, Pippen's on a, on a team top 50 all-time. I mean, Pip, Pippen's yeah. all, you know, no doubt I mean, doubt Wiggins even plays on another team. He's scoring 25, 26 <clears throat> points a game. He's a, I, he's a good player. He's a he's former a, number one He's pick. a great player. Yeah. Not a good player. He's the best. I would say he's a top five, top six, two-way player in the NBA. All, all these teams, though, had, had guys like that. Dwayne, I mean, I don't know if LeBron wins without Dwayne Wade. You know, he, he didn't win except for one year when he was clearly by himself. Now, to me, that was his greatest accomplishment. Getting to the finals, but that well, yeah, Cleveland team. Kevin Love, I mean, they're well. they're they're not Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 
you need to me uh, how he how he did it in Cleveland is amazing. I mean that he was a one man team pretty much. Well, in the in the early years, yeah, he took that team all the way against San Antonio and got swept. I mean that was his biggest accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, that, what he did yes, for their second best player was the Gundersugoski. Yeah, which yeah. everybody everybody sits there and tells me, oh, they were fighting me all over YouTube when I posted that. Like Hughes, Larry Hughes, Larry Hughes sucks. Okay, <laughs> Larry Hughes was he who he was because of LeBron James. Yes, he was an all star that year because every time LeBron James was getting triple teamed, he was open. At at the three-point line shooting threes. Me and you could shoot threes all game long if we're having 500 three-point shots, shots in practice. It's it's ridiculous. Anybody that sits here and tells me LeBron James wasn't the full reason why they were what they were, then you don't know basketball and you, you need to open up your eyes and, and learn something because you obviously don't know what you're talking about. Carl says Pippen was a great half-court player because oh, of the triangle half. offense. Yes. He was not a fantastic. good half-court player. He was an awful half-court player. I thought an he was. awful half-court player. He was a great open court player. He was one of the worst half court players ever. I mean, he was, he stunk in half court offense. I think when you look at what the Golden State Warriors are doing, you can't compare them to the Bulls because if the Bulls played yeah. them at any year, the Bulls would have crushed them. That ninety, that ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight Bulls team, th- those teams were dominant. Mm-hmm. They would have run all over these Golden State Warriors teams because of their defensive prowess. With Harper there, with Michael Jordan there, with Rodman there, with Pippen there. Uh, even Kukoc was a good defender. Yeah. They were all good defenders. And Steve Kerr, I, I know Steve Kerr wouldn't even, and if Steve Kerr thinks that this team was anywhere close to the, t- the talent, even with Kevin Durant, they don't stand a chance. They could put Kevin Durant on this team right now with the players they have. They still wouldn't win. Yeah, it's just a, different, question. It's just a would... different game. Mark, here's the real question. How would Steve Kerr pre- prepare to defend himself as a player? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, Mark Carl, Carl says, says, wrong Mark, rock the triangle in motion. Yeah. Uh, okay, whatever. I, I mean, Pippen, 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 I don't think any, he ever took a shot with anyone near him. He was always so wide open from Jordan kicking the ball out. Like, Pippen's great. I'm not saying he's not great. I'm just saying his strength wasn't in half-court offense. I just sit here today, and I, I watched I, – I, out of all the sports growing up, and I was a hockey player, and I played all sports, basketball was my love because I love the Knicks. And obviously watching such bad basketball, not in the 90s, but now, yeah, 25, 30 years of just bad basketball, I sit here today and I wonder where basketball is heading, especially being that New yeah. York is the, the heart and soul of where basketball really was you know, built. And and now you see it, it's it's just not that anymore. Nobody wants to play here. Uh, maybe it's James Dolan. Maybe it's money. Who, who now everybody has money, so it doesn't matter if you play in New York and the endorsements. Who the hell knows? Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think it's just the way it's changed is not better for the NBA. I oh, don't, it's I don't horrible. Think it, is. it ruined the game. I mean, Steph Curry has ruined the game. As much as he's good at what he does and he's the greatest basketball three point shooter we've ever seen, mm-hmm. it's ruined the game. Yep. I can't wait until he's gone and all these idiots are gone where we can go back and figure out what this game was and what this game has brought, not only in fanhood, but what this game has brought as far as strategic you know, sports you know, and strategizing sports. Because there, there's no strategy of shooting 53s a game yep. and winning it that way. Mm-hmm. I want to see the game for what it was. It was a abrupt Hard nosed game. It was you're not if you're going up for a layup, I'm throwing you into the rafters. You know, it, it's 
It's ridiculous. I, you can't put your hands on players anymore. You can't put a pinky. Hey, maybe I should step on their toes where the, the, the cameras don't see it. And maybe, uh, maybe I'll turn it into an MMA fight or something like that. I don't know what it is, but you want to know something? Draymond Green has ruined the game, too, because of his big mouth and his attitude. And he doesn't help when you have social media ruining the game, too, yeah. with these stupid idiots with their spy, their spy little Twitter accounts and stuff like that. It's dumb. It's stupid. And LeBron James opening his mouth in politics and political ways. Just play the game and shut up. I, I don't understand why these athletes are going to stick their two cents into stuff that is none of their – you want to speak? You want to use your platform? Use it, use it when the game when you're done with the game, when nobody gives a crap what you think. Because really the game is just – it's not the game anymore. It's just politics this and politics that. It's, it's not helping the game. It really isn't. Uh, Mark, Carl has a question for you. Would you rather have had Chuck Person or Hot Rod Williams? Uh, Chuck Person or Hot Rod Williams. Chuck Person had great series against the Celtics, but he could never win. And Hot Rod was a guy that was on a Cavs team that, to me, was one of the could have been one of the great teams ever if they would have figured out that Ron Harper should have been the one guarding Michael Jordan, not Craig Elo, in that game-winning shot in 1989. I mean, Ron Harper, before he got hurt, was one of the best players uh, in the NBA, and if Cleveland could have kept him, not traded him for Denny Ferry, I think they would have been a, a lot different. Different. They than wouldn't they have turned been out that to be. Team, but... Well, I mean, they he could guard Jordan. He was he was very good around Harper, very athletic. Great Jordan said was the one guy that he had the most problems with. They had Mark Price, they had Brad Doherty, they had Hot Rod Williams, they had Larry Nance, who was a great, another great guy, great athlete. Yeah. Uh, Carl also says, "Remember when he punted the ball into the stands?" Who's that? I'm not sure. Carl, who are you referring Hot to Rod with Williams that? Hot Rod Williams he's talking about. Oh, okay. Hot Rod, I don't remember Hot Rod Williams doing that, but no. Mm. Anyways, uh, but as far as James Harden getting this $40 million, oh, Craig Elo was the man. Oh, they kicked the ball. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Okay, I remember that. Um, James Harden will sign a short extension with the 76 worth about $40 million for the next two years. Who cares? Honestly, the man is done. I mean, he, he, he was done ever since he started dating Kardashian. Okay. <laughs> This man is done. Him and his beard. I, I, I think it would be unique. The most unique thing to see him next year is shave his beard off and actually play without a beard for the first time in his career. That would be amazing to me. I mean, I, I just there's nothing about him that really remotely expands my horizon of who he is as a player. Right, guys, I, I got to step yeah, out. Yeah, go ahead, man. I yeah, really, really appreciate you. Having Tuesday, me. Come, come in. Yeah, this is great. I, always, I, I really miss doing this. I mean, this is a lot of fun for me. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely, and, man. And you guys have really gotten very good. Thank I mean, you. I've seen you from, you know, from the beginning, at least from when I've known you a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time. And, <laughs> man, and Speedy, I mean, you do so much. You, know, you guys are great. Thank you so Thank much you. for having me on, and uh, I'll see you Tuesday. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us, my friend. Love you, man. Uh, Carl also says, a person kicked the ball in the stands. <laughs> Elo was Jordan's bitch. Hit all kinds of shots over Elo. Uh, Jeff says, Michael Jordan once said the toughest team he ever faced in college was Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> and Carl says, didn't Mark Price have a brother who was a garbage player? Well, I think so. I, I do. I, and that his, tends to happen with a lot of like the younger siblings. Type his things. name was Dime Price. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, James Harden, man, what a what a what an idiot! Okay, hey, listen, if I can make forty million dollars, uh, you know, for two years, 80, 80 in whole, I take that contract too. Because honestly, if you get another another contract opportunity, he could if he has a good you know two years, and maybe he wins a championship. With this, I don't think it's going to happen because I just don't think the Seventy Sixers are 
anywhere close to what Boston's going to be and some of the other teams. Miami might be and uh, Milwaukee. I mean, I, I just don't think they're there. I, as good, as, I, I have a feeling they're going to trade their big man. I, I do. Eventually, mm. they're going to trade him because they're, they're, this is what they always do. They always trade away their best players, and they never win anything anyways. The last, what was the last time they won with Dr. Dre? Yeah, uh, I mean, Dr. Dr. Dre, yeah, Dr. 83, Dr. Dre. 83. Dr. One, of the, Dr. one of the two championships in the 80s that wasn't a Lakers or Celtics championship. Maybe they'll win with Dr. Dre. Maybe Dr. Dre would be, play better basketball than James Harden. Uh, I mean, Carl, to answer your question, yes, Brent Price is Mark Price's brother, mm. and he played from 1993 to 2002. Yeah, it wasn't that good. He only had one season where he averaged double-digit points a game in 1995-96 when he was with the Washington Bullets. Uh, Carl also says, Mark was about to say John Parker Wilson should have covered Jordan or Pippen. Uh, who knows? Uh, the fact is is that uh, to compare this Golden State Warrior team or any Golden State Warrior team to that Jordan Bulls team from 96 on right. is, is ridiculous. It, it's, it wouldn't even be close. I say that Bulls team beats them in four or five. They'd be right. lucky to win a game. That's what, I, that's what I've always said, too. Five five games. They'd be lucky to be yeah. win a game. Because nobody, nobody will be able to defend Michael Jordan. None right. of them. Right. None of them. I also look at even the Lakers and the Celtics, too, in the 80s matched up against that Golden State team would win most of the time, too. Oh, every time Michael Jordan had a good defender against him, Clyde Drexler, he killed them. He Eat them up alive. Scotty used to say when they practiced on again, and Scotty was one of the greatest defensive players of all time. He, he said, if I stop Michael one time, it would just piss him off even more to just dominate the game at practice. And Michael Jordan would just get angry and angrier and angrier, and he just dominate the practices. He, the, the dream team, all those great players, everybody, uh, Magic Johnson talking crap, and what did Michael Jordan take over those games? A new sheriff in town. Yeah, so, took over the decade. Michael Jordan's just a different, you know, different personality, different type of dominant player of his era, and and one of the greatest of uh, in any sport of all time. I think he is the greatest. Yeah. Okay, and that's just what I think. I watched him play, you know, when he was at the top peak of his career. So, stop with this Emmanuel Quigley thing. You know what it is? Is it's not funny anymore, Jeff. You want to be funny and stuff like that. It's not funny anymore. It, it, it's stupid. You think you're funny. It's not funny anymore. Uh, you want to add a joke here and there to, to post up there? You want to say this and say that? It's It gets stupid when you post up stuff. It's it's not. And you, Of course, you got Snug loving the, the stuff that you post because he's as dumb as you. So. Thank you, Snug. Well, while we're on the topic of Mark Price's brother, Brett Price, his last season for the Sacramento Kings, averaged 1.6 points a game. There you go, Snug. I'll throw in your little Sacramento Kings team with the longest playoff drought in the NBA. And Carl also mentions that hitting a huge three, none other than Andrew Wiggins. And he won't win. He won't win the MVP because I'll give it to Steph Curry because this is this is a, a love a, a love stretch for, uh, you know, because this might be the last time Steph Curry wins a championship or goes to a championship game. Sure, yeah. So you know, they'll give it to Steph because he hasn't won it. And they'll leave it off of Wiggins' opportunity to win it because this is what the, the NBA does. Uh, <laughs> Mary Michael Jordan. I don't know why you laugh at it. It's so stupid. It's uh, so yes, that would be. Who knows? Who, that funny. would be something Nithin would do. But okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah, most of the NBA finals probably outside of the Iguodala one, and probably maybe Kawhi Leonard too, to an extent, because he was still kind of young then. He How much time is left of the game? 
I don't even know. It is. Is it like three minutes left? Yeah, it's right under th- uh, four minutes. This ago. game's over. Ninety-three, eighty-one. Golden State Warriors. They but would yeah. have to hit like three or four threes to get back into this right. game. Right, but yeah, even just even going back back to like just the history of the onto the eighties on, like Cedric Maxwell might have been an unconventional one. Uh, like Mark was saying, James Worthy might have been an unconventional one. But beyond that, yeah, most of them have been the popular players just the way the NBA has been because that's what they're driven on. They're driven on stardom in comparison to the other sports that have a little more with the depth and the strategy being involved. And the met, might hurt somebody like Another Andrew Another defensive play, I think, by Andrew Wiggins, having Tatum doing a double dribble. So there you go. Dominant defense wins championships. So I was not positively – complimenting the Sacramento Kings. I was bashing them for having a player with 1.6 points a game. Yeah, the Sacramento Kings that don't... They have the the longest playoff drought in the NBA. So, bringing up the Sacramento Kings. How wonderful. (sighs) Do you want to get into hockey? Sure. I I, I will say this, and I I, I want to go into this coaching thing. Yeah. Um, Earlier in the week, or early last week, well, late last week, Bruce... Uh, Cassidy signed with uh, the Vegas Knights. I think that was a, a, a sensational move by the Vegas Knights. It really did. Because to me, Vegas should have made the playoffs this year. Yeah. Just with the talent that they have and, and now making a trade for Weber next year, uh, adding to that defense, this team should be one of the favorites to do to, to, to make a run next year. And they needed a coach. And uh, uh, I'm sorry. Pete DeBoer. DeBoer, Pete DeBoer, who... Was there with the Devils, failed with the Devils, failed everywhere he went. Okay, the guy is not a good coach, um, and and actually uh, parting ways with Ron Gallant for him, it didn't work out for them. Uh, who knows? Maybe they win with Gallant. Bruce Cassidy spoke out uh, actually today, stating that he wants to be he wants to be the guy to take the Vegas Knights to that championship opportunity. I think Bruce Cassidy is one of the best manage, uh, best coaches in all of hockey of the NHL. I think that was an an absolutely great move for the Vegas Knights. And then today, where I thought this is where Barry Trotz was going to go, he was going to go to the Flyers, mm-hmm. uh, they signed John Tortorella, which is a huge move, a huge move, because the Flyers, a young team, uh, up-and-coming team, uh, had problems with goaltending, and their defense has kind of fallen apart the last two years. Adding a defensive mind and a mean coach to go over there with Philadelphia, it really uh, nails it on it. Ron Hextall. I, I think it blew this out of the park. I think this was a great move, Speedy. Well, you have to factor in too. John Tortorella, most of his problems with the, were with the younger players when he went when he was with the Rangers, then fall, fell off with the Blue Jackets. Now Columbus still wasn't a great team as it was, so I don't know how much better they would have gotten with a different coach over John Tortorella. But the Flyers are the kind of team that works with that kind of thing because most of their guys are veteran guys. Now there's a second stint with Cam Atkinson, who was with them in Columbus, and James Van Riemsdyk, a couple guys that have been good wingers in the past. We'll see. Obviously, they traded Claude Giroux. We'll see if they can make up the veteran leadership of that. But they still have a lot of talent mm. on that in the front part of their team. The question is, can they get it get going with the bottom six yeah. and their defensive depth? Because the Flyers, until this year, were always that team that was just stuck in the middle for a while. They were great one year. They were the number one overall seed in the hub city. Then they lost against the Islanders. They almost came back, but they still choked technically. Then they fell off the year before, the year after. So where does, where does Barry Trotz go? I think Winnipeg still, I think that's where he fits the most. That's a team that when they were so physical under Paul Maurice in that beginning of that 2015, 2016 season, they really grew as that. I I think Barry Trotz fits it. I disagree. 
he's he's from Winnipeg. He's from that area, so a lot of people think that's where he's going to go. He's from the Ottawa end of the area. Um, I think he's going to go to the Boston Bruins. Hmm. I think the Boston Bruins are a team uh, that still has a chance of winning. A lot of people think it could be a rebuilding season. Marshamp could be out until January. And and I I talked to Jeff about this, but that doesn't matter. You bring in Barry Trotz. He's a defensive-minded coach. He's won with teams and and dragged seasons around because of the way he coaches and the way he he builds his team around defense. So I I think there's a very good chance um, for that. But I, I see you want us to talk about that. We will, Carl. We wanted to get into that segment. We were trying to get into that segment Tuesday at the end of the show. We didn't fit it in, so we had to add it in now because we're not going to try to fit, add it in next week. Now we'll get into the Avalanche and the Lightning series. We all knew this series was going to be a, a fun series to watch offensively because both teams, prolific offenses, and Kucherov, and Braden Point coming back, and Stamkos, and Hedman, and Vasilovsky. We expected this, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning to compete against an Avalanche team with the talents of McKinnon and um, um, Rotsonen and, Rotsonen and, and all, yeah. the, all, yeah. the diff- all the different talented offensive players that they have over there in Colorado. And, and, and you look at the way these teams are built, they were built similar. And Colorado, the last two years falling out in the second round and finally making it to the Stanley Cup Finals in a Western Conference where they've been favorites to winning it for the last three years. And the goaltending problem that they've had for year in and year out has been better this year. And, and they stayed healthy even though they lost Kadri uh, early in the Western Conference Finals against the Edmonton Oilers. And they're still competing and been, been were very competitive throughout the, you know, throughout the playoffs, even with the problems that they had with injuries throughout the season. But not only that, the Avalanche were made for this. They're a young team. They're a fun, fast team. Uh, they've been the fastest team in the NHL. They were one of the favorites all season long to winning the Stanley Cup. And like Jeff told us from day one, we expected the Avalanche to be here. The last two years we expected that, and they've fallen apart. Uh, you know, playing against better defensive teams, better goaltending teams. This year it's been different. And and then watching game number one, we saw they they got an early lead. They had an early two nothing lead, then a three one lead, and then Tampa Bay came back with great goals. And the third period was fun to watch, and it went all the way to overtime. And even though a lot of people would take the the star goaltender Vasilevsky, it, it didn't happen that way. It happened because the Avalanche. First of all, what's his name again? Had an unbelievable goal. Uh, Burkowski. Bur- Burkowski had it. I mean, that goal. I, there was no way Vasilevsky was going to stop. No, that. that was a great pass. So, and 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 I expected the Avalanche to look fast early with all the time off that they had. Right. Okay. And everybody thought, hey, because of all that time off that they have, are they going to have the momentum like the obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's won back-to-back Stanley Cups, who's done this before against a young team like McKinnon and and, and company, but it wasn't. We saw what we saw, and we saw a great all-around team against another great all-around team. And even though Vasilevsky, to me, has been the best goaltender in the last seven years, no, it's not Shesterkin or anybody else for the beef and anybody to say Igor is better. It's a joke, and it was stupid for any Ranger fan to say that. What we saw in game number one is a team taking home field and home ice advantage and taking advantage of it. If they could do it in game number two, I can't see Tampa winning both those games in Tampa. I expect 
uh, this series to go five, no, no pass six. This isn't going seven games. I think the way that the Avalanche have been battle tested is a little different than we've seen in previous years, where it seemed like they were reliant just on talent when they started to become a one seed. They were great as the eight seed in 2019 when they beat the Flames. They beat the Flames in five games, and then they hung tough with the Sharks, who made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. And they were doing better in that regard. Once they became the favorites, they were good, but they were, like you were saying, choking. They lost against Dallas, a team that they were much more talented than in 2020. Then last year against Vegas, they had a 2-0 lead and looked they were like blowing them out both games and then all of a sudden fell apart. So this year they're winning on buzzer beaters. They're winning close. The whole Nazem Kadri incident against the Blues really fired them up. And I think they're really now rallying around that kind of thing. And they're just so complete now. You're seeing the young defensemen in Bowen Byram really grow into his game too and being a more prominent force. And the offensive depth finally, Valerie Nichuskin, Andre Burakovsky, JT Comfer, guys like that stepping up, which that was a big problem for them. They were kind of like the Bruins in years past too where they were a lot of reliant on their top six and really didn't have the depth the whole time. And now they finally have that kind of thing to compete with the Lightning. And I actually think this series... If it does go longer, definitely benefits the Avalanche. Because at one point, the Lightning are going to have to tire out. I mean, how much longer can they go with this kind of team? They're an older team. I think a shorter series definitely benefits them. But being battle-tested, having to play all those games against the Rangers, Colorado definitely showed the faster game right away and were able to get their foot on the gas quickly. Uh, Carl says, take the best Jeff Errol's Avalanche in five. <laughs> the Islanders aren't there, Jeff. It's a nice try, but yeah, I think. First of all, I think it's it's. It, I think the Avalanche wins in five, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes six. It's not going seven. I, I can't see Tampa. Tampa has done this before, but I just there's something about the Avalanche this year. I listened to you know obviously uh, one of the podcasts. The uh, I think it was last night or the night before. Uh, somebody was interested in, uh, interviewing Joe Sackick, and he says that this team is completely different than they were the last two years. I think they're more hungry. McKinnon is obviously two years older than he was two years ago and, and really getting into the position that they were. I just think this is more of an understanding team of what it is to win and how to win after watching all these years of some of these teams like St. Louis and, and Tampa winning and even the Chicago Blackhawks over the years, you know, years past that, mm-hmm. that you, you need that gut-wrenching team that plays defense and actually has that offensive style of game in the third period when you need a goal. And, and you saw it in overtime. I thought, I thought the Avalanche looked fast. They looked hungry. And that's what you need. You need to get an early lead against a top team like the Tampa Bay Lightning has done it before. And Jared Bednar has been a good coach at making adjustments, too. It it doesn't seem like the Avalanche are winning just one way, either. They can win low-scoring games. They had to do that at the end of their series against the Blues when they really weren't scoring goals, and Huso had a little bit of a hot stretch, too, after Bennington got hurt. So they were used to that kind of thing. And yeah, a lot of people have been saying on social media, oh, the Avalanche haven't played the greatest goalies, either. Yeah, but they're still winning with... High goal totals, too, when they need to. And they can win all... Look at all the back-and-forth games they played against Edmonton early on. They still won all those. The Oilers are winning those against the Flames, not against the Avalanche. It shows you can win in a lot of different ways. The Lightning will see if they can win a lot of different ways. Most of their wins have been low-scoring so far. Against against Florida, that was a low-scoring one. Against the Rangers, a lot of them were low-scoring, except for the blowout they had in Game 4. So I think the Avalanche have been just a little more complete as a whole. And I would still give them the edge in that series. And I just think in a longer series, which I think it'll be, Tampa eventually will have to tire out. And I don't know how much trust they could have in these young players to really carry them the same way their core did in the past. And Braden Point, too. He might be rusty coming back. He didn't look great in Game 1. See, uh, by the way, I, I'm sorry to cut off. I, it's a selfish... I know 
it's uh, the game is almost over. Why is Steph Curry shooting a thirty foot jump shot, three point shot? Just hold on to the ball. He's selfish. He is a selfish player. It's always about numbers with Steph Curry. And 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 Golden State's going on to win their fourth title. And if, if Steph Curry wins the MVP, which they're probably going to give it to him, everybody knows the best player on this team in this series was Andrew Wiggins. Okay? Andrew Wiggins was the one to shut down Jason Tatum. Andrew Wiggins. Okay? So uh, to sit here and, and, and just shut up, Errol, well, good. I, I, I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to shut up. Okay? Every, every, you shut up. Every take against Steph Curry, he's not going to shut up. I'm not going to shut up. <laughs> what the hell is he shooting a 30-foot jumper for? What is the point of that? Oh, does he need it? He needs another three point on his list. Yeah, that three point is going to make the difference in the MVP. <laughs> I refuse to to give Steph Curry the shimmy credit that he he doesn't deserve. Okay, I know what he is. I've given him the compliments. He's the greatest three point shooter. So what? He wasn't the reason why they won this series, buddy. He wasn't. He wasn't. Did Steph Curry defend any of the top shooters? On this Celtic team, did he defend anybody? He didn't defend nothing. He didn't defend nothing. He's not a two-way player. And, and, and that's what wins championships. Why do you think when, when Wiggins was just taking out, Andre Iguodala was hugging him and slapping? Because he knows who the, be- who the best player was on the court. Snooker says Steph Curry MVP, as we've been saying all year. Yeah, except he got hurt, and that's not going to win MVP. Uh, Earl, please keep talking. I love all things Steph Curry. Carl says you're nitpicking everything. Yeah, I'm nitpicking. Okay. Uh, I'm nitpicking. Snooker says Steph Curry played some tough D, especially early in the series. Yeah, okay. Again, it's not hard to defend Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart had great game one offensively. Since then, he did nothing. He's not a good offensive player. It's. Uh, I would say, actually, I would say exactly good, he had the great four matchups. Rings. He won four rings, yes. He won two of them with Kevin Durant. He won one that he wasn't even the best player on the court when they won it, okay? Clay Thompson was, all right? And he didn't even win the MVP either. It was Andre Iguodala that won. Now they're going to give him the MVP because they know he's probably not going to get there again. That's, that's why they're going to give it to him because that's the only thing that he hasn't won. And they're going to give it to him. So happy to give it to you, Steph. Happy to give it to you, Okay. I have acknowledged his greatness of what he was and what he is. Was he the best player on the court for this Golden State Warriors team? Anybody who was watching this series actually knows the truth. So congratulations to Steph Curry. Congratulations. Yeah, got the camera's on him still. And probably yeah, it's always on him. It's like says, wow, Steph is heading down the Brady path. All hail the Brady goat. Mm. Well, he, his this is ank- his last championship. I was going to say, his ankles are going to have to be a little better for him to be able to play as long as Brady. This is his last championship, so enjoy it. All you uh, Laker fans, I mean, um, Golden State Warrior fans, enjoy it. Carl says something about a backhanded congrats. Yeah. What, do you, what do you want me to do, kiss his ass? I'm not going to sit here and kiss his ass. Okay. I won't. Uh, yeah, we, we know that. We know that to be true. Steph Curry is in your top three of most most hated athletes. Yeah, because people are over exaggerating who he really is as a player. Mm-hmm. I've dropped him down to three. top five to point two. guard of all time. Give me a break. I've dropped him down to three. He used to be two, but I think Spencer Rattler surpassed Steph Curry as your most hated athlete after Conor McGregor, who's obviously number don't give one. Me, don't don't get me started with Spencer. Okay, <laughs> I know that's why I'm saying he's at least number two. Steph Curry was always number two, and then it was Kobe at number three. But I think Spencer Rattler surpassed surpassed them both, and now is number two on your most hated athletes list. Conor McGregor still number one. Look at this! Look at this! 
nonstop. The, the Golden State Warriors as a team won the championship. Everything since they won, the cameras are on this guy. That's what I mean. When they won the championship with Kevin Durant, he did he wasn't even the best player. The cameras were on Steph Curry. This is what the NBA wants. They ruined the game of basketball because of this three-point shooting. I'm not even going to say it on live radio. And I'm going to sit here and congrat and kiss his ass. 34-7-7, not bad, Carl says. Mm. <laughs> yes, who doesn't we know play, you love Steph. Who doesn't play any defense? Great. Great. He could score all he wants. What did Andrew Wiggins have in this game? Well, let's just look. I'm going to take Andrew Wiggins' numbers. Let's see. 18, 18 points, 5 18, rebounds. 18, four. 5, and 6 in a shutdown defender mm. against the Celtics' Jason Tatum, who had, let's see, 13 points. Also had 4 steals and 3 blocks in this game as well. I'm sorry. The MVP of this series is Andrew Wiggins. And, and for anybody to think differently, I don't know what the hell you're watching. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. Congratulations to the Boston Celtics on a sensational year, too. A sensational year. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, this won't be the last time you're here. You'll be here again. The Easter Conference is weak. This is a good team. This is a team that's definitely going to be there. They've got a tremendous amount of talent with some of the young players that they have over there. Marcus Smart, uh, who had a sensational year, a defensive player of the year. Uh, some of the acquisitions they made at the trade deadline for Derek White and and some of the players. It was it was a fun year. Robert Williams needs to stay healthy, right? Uh, but he's turned into a great player as well. This is a good team. They're going to be here again. Andrew Wiggins in the finals: eighteen point four points a game, nine point four total rebounds, and one point six assists per game. He shot. 45.8% from the field, uh, didn't shoot well from 325, but his defense, both statistically and when he was guarding guys, his individual guys guarding about 27% shooting from the field, which is one of the better marks you'll see from an individual defensive series. I think the highest one we've seen since Kawhi Leonard with Toronto, too, I think when he held him to 24%. So definitely one of the historic defensive performances for sure. Uh, yes, the Celtics took a step forward, Stug. A lot of people did not think they would be here at this point either. They were expecting maybe a 4-5 or five seed at the start of the year. <laughs> Had one of the best second half. I just want to see Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green right off to the sunset. I, I don't want to see these guys anymore. I, I don't. I don't want to hear Draymond Green open his mouth anymore. Because honestly... Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> all he does is open his, his big mouth. Steph Curry with his shimmy dance. And Klay Thompson with his... Him and Clay, him and Draymond Green trying to start with everybody after the games. Two guys because they're booing and they're saying overrated or whatever the hell they're saying. Just play the damn game. Yeah, the it, game has been so let out because of the the fans. This never happened in the eighties and the nineties. Never, never. To let the fans bother you so much that you got to go and talk to the press to attack the fans. Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, definitely, you have to look, even with the championship for Golden State, you do have to look at as potential, you have to look at having a backup option type thing. Now, they, I think the Warriors have done that well with the wings in terms of Clay Thompson, but again, replacing a Draymond Green who was a well-rounded player throughout his career, never the best, but a well-rounded player. We'll see if they could do that if James Wiseman can stay healthy and they need some other bigs in order to make that work. Because, again, Kavon Looney, he played well in this certain points in this series, but is still not a great big man. And we'll see if they could do that. And Steph Curry, I think, will still be here for a while. He still is a good ball handler and shooter type thing. Uh, Carl says they played the game and won a title. The fans bothered them so much that they won a title. 
Well, again, yeah, the Celtics fans are going to do that because they knew it was getting in Draymond Green's head, all the swear words they were saying at him. And it was something that flustered other players, too, to an extent in Game 3. So you can't fault the Celtics fans for trying that kind of thing with your season on the line. And you want to make it as hostile of an environment as possible. So I don't think you can necessarily fault the Celtics fans as long as they didn't do anything derogatory. I'm sure they were just chanting hard like they were doing in Game 3 and Game 4 and trying to get in everybody's head. Maybe they tried Steph. We had it unmuted, so we didn't see it. But they, maybe they tried Steph. Maybe they tried Jordan Poole, all that stuff. So I don't think you could fault the Celtics fans as long as they didn't do anything egregious like that. I just sit here and, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to see some great basketball in my time. I am. But the game has completely passed the game behind. And I, I think uh, the only way we're going to see change in this game of basketball is when these guys are gone. Okay? And, and I, I understand he's changed the game. You guys might think he changed it for the good. I think he changed it for the bad. It's not help the game for what it is. And, and Carl, for you, who is a basketball guy who grew up the Chicago Bulls era and grew up a Chicago Bulls fan in that time, in that era, that era was a completely different game, and it was a much more fun game to watch. This era is garbage. I can't sit and watch the game anymore. And for anybody to sit here today and say, oh, my God, this is such a great and fun you know, game to watch. It's not. And Adam Silver is letting the players run the organization. Right. He is not helping the factors of where this the league is going and what this league is tra- transitioned into. So to sit here, David Stern, you know, he was at the tail end of it. He was getting right. sick and everything like that. Yeah. David Stern tried to keep it together the way he thought the game should be. Adam Silver has just completely ruined it. Carl says, I didn't say he changed it for the good, but he is the best at that way of play. As of right now, yeah, but again... He changed it! That's why! He's the reason why it changed! But again, there's also some differences, too, from even now and even three, four years ago. Hand him to the MVP. Hand him the MVP and get it over with, because that's what we know what he's going to get. There's other aspects, though, Carl, where it might even evolve from that, too. Now you're seeing a lot more big men that could shoot three as well. Power forwards, six foot eight guys that can shoot three. I think the next wave of that is going to be somebody like a Luka Doncic, where you have a guy as well-rounded as he is at his height, and they're going to search for more of those now. Golden State, it still might be good with the system that they have, but it's going to be hard for them to ever create the type of dynasty that they did in the 2010, just the way it was. Because so many teams then tried to copy that, and it hasn't worked. The Rockets tried to do that with, with James Harden, and the Wizards, the Blazers, the backcourts they had, the black backcourt duos they had. And now the Nets try to do that with, with KD and Kyrie, too. They just couldn't be able to duplicate that kind of thing because it only works in certain instances. Any LeBron team can win like that because of LeBron. He knows how to carry those guys. And the Warriors system still proven to work this year, even with... Clay Thompson hurt, and even with Steph hurt for a lot of the season, there it still worked to an extent when other teams, I guess, either shot their way out of games or tried to do too much. So there are changes though that are going to be made. But yeah, the NBA as a whole, just because of the drama, makes it very hard with these players to be able to just enjoy a consistent product. And as a result, you're just going to see more dynasties because when players get frustrated, they just want to leave. And now you're seeing it change back to develop a, with a couple stars and make it make it work. This Warriors team is a younger one. The Celtics team is a younger one. Milwaukee and Phoenix last year, the same kind of thing. So that's going to be the change that will hopefully be for the better again where you don't have all these super teams again. I'm just watching this and Steph Curry playing with the box that they pull it out of. I mean... Oh, what is it, like a magician box? I don't know what it <laughs> that's is. That's what it looks like. I don't know what it is. Shape-shifting. So. 
Just uh, who's the MVP? Let's hear who the MVP is. So uh, it's probably Steph. Uh, we all would think that it's Wiggins, but uh, I, I would think it was Wiggins. But uh, oh yeah, hand it over. Watch him do his shimmy. Good. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to lay off Carl. Why am I going to sit here and lay off on Steph Curry? What What is the reason why I should lay off on a guy that has ruined the game of basketball? Okay? I'm sitting here today. I don't watch the game of basketball as much as I want to because of this man. And him throwing his mouthpiece and doing his stupidity. And, and it's called sore. When he loses, he's a sore loser. When he's a winner, he's a sore winner. And Draymond Green is just sore at everything. <laughs> and you want me to sit here and okay it? I dislike the player. I dislike him. I have every right to dislike him. When he came to the league, I loved him. You watch a lot more last year when the Knicks were good. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Because the Knicks were still kind of a surprise. We didn't even know how good they were going to be. I didn't. I, I watched 30 games last year. watched 20-something games this year. I, I'm not interested. Yes, mostly just to complain at Julius Randle. Uh, it's not even about the Which Knicks. So. I, I watch all <laughs> basketball. I can't watch this anymore. I can't watch the game. It's for prima donnas. I might as well. We're watching ballet. You know what? I'd rather watch the ice capade. I'd rather watch the ice capade. Snuck says he's a showman. You love it or hate it, but either way, you talk about it. Oh, that's a showman? Dancing around and shooting trees? Great. Great showman. I'd like to see Curry take his show on the road and winning another title in a different town. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to stay with the Golden State Warriors. He's he's just too beloved over there. I think think the – I don't think there's any way. I, they might lose the other guys, but I don't think there's any way they're going to take away Steph Curry just because he's uh, he's too unique of a player and the fans love him too much that I just think it's hard to replace that kind of thing. They've already done it with Klay Thompson, and they're going to do it eventually with Draymond Green, I think, just because he's an undersized defender type thing. I think they'll bring in bigger guys. They already did it with James Wiseman, and they'll probably draft some more. We've heard rumors they could trade for other big men, too. And now Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole, those are going to be those next guys that start to take over that kind of thing. So I think he will be there for the long haul. The question is, how healthy will Steph be Give it to Steph, because he's going to give it to him. Hand it to Steph. So, Snug, to answer your your question, I, I, I don't see that kind of thing happening just because of the unique... He knows he's going to get it. It's Steph Curry. Just give it to him. Let's edit over with. <laughs> he's bobbing his head like he is. Uh, I like to watch NBA Yeah, you think Jim. that's normal? You think that's normal what he's doing? Hey, you think that's normal what he's doing? I don't know. I like to watch... How him. about Curry? You think, he, you think that's normal? Dancing around, shaking his head, and doing that? Give me a break. Noxious, noxious person. Snug says, I like to watch NBA Jam on Twitch. Yes, NBA Jam is a great game, Snug. <laughs> Yeah. I speak. This is sports radio. And I'm going to sit here today, and I'm going to say what I feel. And the game has transitioned into this. And you're going to sit here and tell me it's normal to watch Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson do and say whatever they want? He just high-fived every teammate. Okay. High-fived after he's bobbing his head for apples. Okay? Yep. It is official. He is finals MVP. I knew he was going to win the MVP. It doesn't matter who. They're going to give it to him just because he's never won the award. Yeah, it's just the popular trend. That's the way it ends up happening in the NBA. Uh, Snug says a little dancing is just fun. <laughs> it's a joke. 
Game's a joke, okay? I'm glad you like it, Carl. You like this? You enjoy it? Carl always just hope his, hopes his you Bulls get this? back to relevancy again. I mean, you grew up a Chicago Bulls fan. I'm a Nick fan. I, I can't sit and watch this anymore. It's a soap opera. The NBA it's soap boring. opera. It's boring. Uh, Carl says, Rodman talked all kinds of trash off the court and you were mad at Draymond. Well, yeah. He's obviously oh, better all the time on. than Draymond hold, is. Hold on, hold on. Are you comparing Draymond Green to Dennis Rodman? Are you seriously bringing up Dennis Rodman to Draymond Green? Please, Mr. Chicago Bulls fan. Draymond Green couldn't. If he goes somewhere else, he'll, he, he'd disappear off the face uh-huh. of the earth. I think so, too. He'd disappear off the face. Dennis Rodman went to not one, but two different teams and dominated both there. Yeah, yes, trash talking, we know. We, we, we get what you're referencing. I don't think you're you were saying that. You're calling me a moron now. I'm a moron? How about this, Mr. I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, and you think this is great? Why don't you take your Chicago Bulls and shove it where the sun doesn't shine? Snug says, could Steph take How's the Sacramento sound? Kings into the playoffs? Maybe this play-in games. I don't know about anything else beyond that. Calling me a moron. still not a great team. All right. I got you, Carl. I got you. I'm a moron. I'm a moron. Yeah, Snug, they have the longest playoff drought in the NBA for I'm a reason. moron. I'm, a, I'm the moron watching this garbage. I haven't watched it, so don't worry. I'm not going to. I watched enough basketball, enough in my lifetime, to say that this game is a complete wreck. And the league needs to find a way to change it. Because this isn't better basketball. And if you think watching Steph Curry do his shimmy and watching this Golden State Warriors win the way they've won. They lose one year, and somehow they fall in the top three draft picks and get a great player. The Knicks have lost year in and year out, and they can't even get a top five pick. Give me a break. All right, I think Carl might be calling. Good. All right, Carl, you're on. Hey, guys. Errol, you're a moron because you don't follow in arguments. All right? All you, you said that... That Draymond, you're mad that Draymond Green talked all this trash. And all I was saying was that Dennis Rodman talked all kinds of trash and nonsense off the court. And you didn't have a problem with it then, but you have a problem with Draymond doing it now. Who said so I didn't? That's all I was saying. Who said I didn't? And then, you, and then you put words in my mouth saying that I said that Draymond Green was better than Dennis Rodman. So stop, okay? That's why I said you called Hold on one second. Hold on a second. So there's no need to argue about it. There's no need to talk over me. There's no need to – come on, man. First of all, I never said anything – first of all. Yeah, there is. I've never said anything bad about Dennis Rodman, first of all. Neither did I. Neither did I. So to say that he's Dennis Rodman – I'm trying to prove a point, Errol. Errol, you said that you're mad that Draymond Green and Klay Thompson talk all this trash – off the court. That's what Dennis Rodman did. Okay, so what's the difference? And Dennis Rodman put up what he did. Okay? Draymond Green has done nothing. He's done nothing. So in this final series, you're mad that he didn't put up his stuff and didn't put up his one. I mean, what what kind of points did Dennis Rodman put up once he uh, went to the Bulls? I'm sorry. Not Dennis. a lot. He played his role. He played his role. Draymond plays his role on this team. He plays his role, huh? Let, let's let's look at Draymond Green. Let's see. He plays his role. I didn't say he played the stats he needs to play. He gets under people's skin. So did Dennis. Dennis, but, but Dennis did, did other things. He he defended he defended multiple positions. Dennis Rodman was an all time rebounder. 
But, was, but I'm not comparing the two playing. I'm comparing about the trash talking. And now you're changing it to pr- to try to win I'm an argument ch- I wasn't I'm not, having. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not changing anything. Draymond Green yes, is an does. ass. This team is an ass. I Dennis can't sit Rodman watch this. Dennis Rodman was an ass. I loved the death out of him. But I would hate if he was on another team. It's like Draymond. I don't like him. He's not on the Bulls. I, I but I respect him. the fact of what he does. And if he talks trash off the court, I mean, okay, so he does. I love who Dennis ca- Rodman. Like you said, who cares? I love Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I know you do, but that's my point. I wasn't saying that – I wasn't trying to discredit him as a player. I'm just saying he trash-talked all the time off the court. So does Draymond, and they both have four rings. Actually, Dennis has got five, right? I think Dennis he has won two five. with the Pistons. Two with the right, Pistons yeah. three with the uh-huh. Pistons. Yep. So, I mean, okay. So, I wasn't saying that Dennis Robin was a better – or, excuse me, that Draymond's a better player. I didn't say that I'm you did. Saying, I didn't say that you did. Yes, you did. You. That's why I said the moron comment. That's – I only call the show when when I feel like you guys are calling me out for no reason. Okay, I'm happy I that you like, did. I'm happy that you I did. Don't, I don't like that stuff. No, I said I didn't say game. that you were bad. I didn't fu- say that. I'm better all game. about fundamentals. It's what I've been coaching more than half of my life about. Mm. However, I'm going to give credit where it's due, and I'm not going to criticize every little thing he does. Like, who cares if he shimmies? It doesn't matter. It it shouldn't matter. You, if you get that upset about it, I never then said that's what makes it matter. I never said that you said that Draymond Green was better. I said you're comparing Draymond Green to Dennis Rodman, which right. is crazy. And their actions off the court. That's a fair statement. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Well, listen, I have nothing against you as a person. Of I, course, I know that. And, we know that, man. And listen, I, and I, I, I just, I, I just don't like that. All you do is nitpick Steph Curry oh, I, every oh, night. I, and like, I have what, to. What's the point of doing it? Because we, we everybody your... sits here every day trying to compare him as one of the greatest point guards of all time when he's not. What articles are you reading? I don't. No one says that. Uh, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> go, go to ESPN. Go to CBS. Go to Yahoo. ESPN, go ESPN look at the top is point guards about how he's improved his no, no, defensive no, no. game. Go, That's all they talk go, about. Go. Go look at them on, on the station of the top point guards of all time. Go look. Go look at that they're putting him at two and three or one. Go look. You think I, I'm I'd wrong? I'd be happy to look. Go but ahead. That's go not look. everybody. You say like you say. I, I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I will tell you. You pick five popular, uh, popular places, ESPN, CBS. All of them put him at one or two. All of them put him at one or two. Go look. And you tell me, okay. and then when we come back on Tuesday, you can you can you can come around and apologize to me because I'm telling you I'm right. Well, I'll be happy to tell do you it. that you're right. I All have right. no problem with that. All right, do that, do that, because this is why I hate Steph Curry. This is you why hate I hate Steph. Him. You hate Steph Curry because he's overrated. I got it. I, he's I overrated, you. and I I hate the fact that the fans love him so much because he's ruined the game. He's ruined the game. I can't sit. I can't sit and watch this game anymore. It, it sickens me the way the game is played and that the players run the league now. And it's, it's, it's terrible. And I, and even as a Knicks, I don't give a, I don't care if the Knicks win a championship for another 50 years. It's not going to make a difference to me. I've watched bad basketball for 30 years. If I see it for another 30 years, you think it bothers me? It doesn't. What so bothers not, me? I, I know you think LeBron's the second best player, but I'm he just is. using your argument here. Um, and I think he is too, but I'm just using your argument here. Then because he's part of the the whole super team issue that's yep. ruined the game. Yes, he is does too. He, does he does he that's get knocked down a peg or two because absolutely of, because yeah. of your argument? Absolutely, 
Absolutely. Because, honestly, LeBron, when it comes to numbers, he'll break all the numbers. He'll break every single number by, by the time he's done with his career. Probably so he plays another two or three years when his son comes to the league, if his son ever comes to the league. Yeah, well, except the points, yeah. Yes, right. but what makes LeBron James uh, you know, a part of this problem in the NBA is the fact that LeBron James runs the league. He sits yeah. here and he tells Adam Silver, this is the way we're going. This is, that's why he's going to buy that Las Vegas team. He's going to be an NBA owner. You know why? Because the NBA will allow it. He, they will allow this because he's LeBron James. Michael Jordan did it. He bought it with Charlotte Hornets, Bobcats, whatever the hell they are. Bobcats at the time, not yeah. Hornets. Yeah. Now, <laughs> he, he did it there. And Michael Jordan, the only reason why Michael Jordan was accepted to do what he was doing, because he's Michael Jordan. Same thing with LeBron James. And that's why I respect Kobe. Even though I'm not a Kobe Bryant fan, I respect Kobe. Because you know what Kobe did when he was done retiring? He stayed away from the game. He stayed away from the game. He wanted to coach his daughter. He was done. He, he, he walked away from the game. He'll go and watch games. He didn't want to be a part of being a GM or a coach or an owner. He didn't want anything of that. Yeah, he was more involved in soccer, I think. He, he was more yeah. involved with everything of his daughters. And that's why I respect Kobe Bryant because he doesn't need to put his two cents into the game for what the game was. Okay, and he knows damn well, but and may rest in peace. He knew the game was falling apart, too. It's it's just not it's not the same anymore. And for me to sit here today and say, you know what, I love the game. I love for where it is and where it's going. I honestly think the game is just out of all the sports games, hockey has improved. It's become more fun to watch, even with some of the rule changes. Football, even though with the rule, it's always going to be where it is, even though it's become a little bit more of a lady sport. But it's still fun to watch. And then baseball. Baseball is getting better and better every year. Say what you want with the balls. I can't stand Rob Manford, this little you know, referee. See, I'm, I'm surprised you say that about the NFL because if you're talking about you know, you love the old school game. Yes. I mean, they're just chucking the ball all over the place now. Yes. And you... there's, there's not emphasis on the running game at all. But if you notice. So I figured that you wouldn't like that as I, much. No, I don't. But if you, if you notice, it's starting to transition back. Now the running games are becoming more important again like it did in the 90s. And, and True, which is not one solid back. It's, yeah, not, right. it's never going to be feature back it, again. It's never going to be, but it's becoming more of a running game. And if you look at what's happening in the playoffs now, if you don't have a good running game, you're not going to win. We saw that this year. Look at the running games. Even with the offense and what it did, what we saw with the LA Rams, it was the running games that really transitioned the, that game and, and the defense. Defense and running and all that other stuff that we've seen over the years, the trenches. I think it's going to transition back to that, even though the quarterback, when Tom Brady's gone, and Aaron Rodgers is gone, and now Peyton Manning. It's going to go back to the old school type of, I believe, it's not going to be the hitting anymore, the, the trying to break somebody's head, or clavicles, or whatever the hell they're trying to do in the middle of the game. I think it's going to transition back to the game of football for what we love it to be. And I, 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 that's why I think it will. I don't know if it's going to be as heavy hitting like we've seen, no. but I, I think it will be back to that old school type of game that we remember and we love. Not this baby antic crap. So the that transition was for the so the transition for the NBA game to speak to your point, you were yes. making speedy. Then then all these big men. I mean, we got to find a way to uh, yes. go back inside, not outside. Because like you guys and I, I do too. We sing praises of Luka Doncic, mm -hmm. but I right. mean, yep. he he's a product of the game today, yep. as you guys are saying. Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, what 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 is going to change? What needs to change then for the inside game for Steph a big Curry, match? Because it's Clay not going to. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, some of these three point shooters to get the hell out of the league. Trey Trey Young, get the hell out of the league and and understand that the dominance of the center, the dominance of the power forward is going to come back again. And I think that yes, these these big men are three point shooters now. Take the take the three point line a little bit back. Make them have to get into the paint. You know, make them make them shoot thirty foot three point shots to hit it, and it's not going to be that easy. And these guys are going to try to move in and try to do things inside. That's I think that's the way to change the game. Move the three point line back. Carl, to answer your question, I think the only way that that'll end up happening is if you start to see more of these types of teams accumulate teams with a lot of guys that are taller that could shoot threes, too. I mentioned Luka Doncic because I think he's the ideal prototype of what teams are going to look for. Where they find it? Probably not because Luka Doncic is that special of a talent. But they're going to look for players like that, guys that are tall, that can shoot, that can ball handle the same way. Luka Doncic's really only flaw is game. He's just a league average free throw shooter. He does everything else very well. And they're going to look for that kind of prototype. But if teams don't have... If teams have enough of those guys where they have to respect it and then they'll it'll free up inside you have to have four defenders on the perimeter at that point you're going to have double teams more often that'll force it inside and that's the only way it'll get it I don't think it'll be as much of an athleticism of like having guys that are necessarily bigger or taller or that much dominant inside like your traditional big men I think it'll be more if if that doesn't end up happening Carl it'll be more of a strategy based inside game rather than right. well rather than a, I just, a, yeah. a traditional big man good well, I just hope we don't we don't start criticizing Luka Doncic if he starts running off some titles because he can't play defense either because that's what's going to happen. Oh, I know. Because I'm going to get tired of him I playing. I, I, and I, I know. just, I just, I, here's what I like. Know, I mean, here's what I like about Luka Doncic. And if you notice this, Luka Doncic doesn't go. It, it, he doesn't go on national TV and say the things that he says and makes everything makes the cameras go on him. It, it, this guy loves the fact that the cameras are shooting on him. Look at him smiling with the, the, the cigar in his mouth. I don't like that. I, I, I think you want to brag about what you did. That's great. Four championships in six years, seven years. Fantastic. Great for you, Steph. It, it takes a team to do that. And for anybody to sit here and say that Steph Curry is one of the top three point guards of all time, then you don't know the game of basketball. And shame on you. That's all I'm saying. Shame on you. Carl or Snuck says, uh, I thought I was the resident show moron. Maybe he hears, hears it from Josh Silverberg in Rumorville. That's old guy arguments, just like music sucks now and was better back in my day. And just remember, the better these leagues pay, the softer the pay- players will play. The risk of injury becomes more and more well, expensive, and guys will look to protect their bodies. Yes, that's also true. Well, tell Snug, don't worry, I won't have any uh, two-part questions for anyone. <laughs> I, I, I love you, Carl. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your inside stuff, man, because you make quality points. I got nothing against what you thought, and, and I'm not always right. I don't think I'm always right, but... I, I hate on I hate on Steph Curry for other reasons that people don't understand. It has nothing to do with basketball either. I think the game is it, all these kids in, in here in you know New York and Long Island. There's so many Steph Curry fans because they all want to be like him and and to be like a guy that's a sore winner and that's what he is. He's a sore winner when he's a when he's a lo- when he loses he complains and he makes up excuses on why they lost and and, and to see Draymond Green. I'm not even going to say any more than what I have to say about him. He's an idiot. All right. So, but thanks for calling, bud. Really appreciate yeah, it. Man. Say hello to your right, fan, man. Talk to you Absolutely, soon. Absolutely, man. All right. Keep listening. Love that guy. Mm-hmm. Good guy. Yes. He's been around listening to the show. And I'm uh-huh. not, I have nothing against Carl. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have nothing against him. I think he's extremely right about a lot of things that he says.
I'm just upset when I look at the game and the passion that I have for this game. And I have a huge amount of passion for this game because I grew up loving the game. I I played hockey. I was at the top of my game. I played all these sports. But there was something about basketball that just drew me. You know, the Knicks drew me in the 90s and the early, late 80s. And, and watching the, the bad, bad boy Pistons and the Lakers of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and the Celtics and Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan and those Bulls teams. And Portland Trailblazers with Clyde Drexler. And that was the fun time of basketball. Charles Barkley, the 76ers, and then the Phoenix Suns. That was, that was the game of basketball. And now I watch what it's going, what's going on in the league now. I'm just like, what is this? How could anybody sit here today and say this is what the league has transitioned into? As a fan, as a as a person that loves the game so much, I can't sit here and say that it's this is be- the best for the game and where the game is going. Snooks says Chris Dudley with the New Jersey Nets. So that's it, man. Uh, it was a great show. Thank you to um, the co-founder of Pro Joe's. Uh, Charity League, Eric Romoff, for joining us. He was fantastic. Uh, thank you to all the callers. Um, thank you to the Beef for calling. Uh, did Jeff call? No, Jeff did not call. Jeff, today. I'm surprised. Just, co- just commented, thank but we you. got Carl to call. Thank you, Carl, for calling. And then uh, uh, Mark came coming in. Mark coming in as well, uh, coming out here and giving us time. He'll be back on Tuesday. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, the feelings towards what the league is transitioning. What do you say? Uh, go watch the G League. Highlights tape, Xavier uh, Simpson. Simpson. Hmm. If you missing old school game, he has a hook shot down. He has the hook shot down. I, I, I'm, I'm into the hook shot, man. I miss that. I miss the game. I miss the game that we all, you know, fell in love with. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors for winning their fourth champi- championship in, I think, seven years. Eight. Oh, eight years. Yep. They have, um, they have half the championships in the last four years. The other ones are all won by Eastern Conference teams. Yeah. Um, oh, and the Lakers. It's just uh, now basketball's over for the year. We'll, we'll get ready for the draft and the combine or whatever the heck it is. So it, it's just baseball combines going on right now, which is mm-hmm. the second year they're doing that. But um, we'll be back on Tuesday and Thursday next week, full weeks. Great guests. So definitely uh, we'll have a um, defensive tackle uh, Tehran Sujic, Sujic uh, joining us next week. We have a couple of guys lined up. I'm sure Speedy does. Yep. Um, and returning to the show at uh, 10 p.m. will be uh, Cavaliers broadcaster Tim Alcorn. He'll be talking some NBA wow, draft finally. with us. What's yep. that, Tuesday? Yep, uh, it's Tuesday. Short Tuesday? You know? Yeah, it's Tuesday. He'll be on Tuesday at 10. Also has done some uh, Guardians baseball broadcasting as well. For the for the TV network, he's the uh, he's the second guy over there as well as well as doing the Cavs. So we'll talk some NBA finals with him and some NBA draft. I will not vote for Steph Curry or Draymond Green. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. And if I ever met Steph Curry, even though I would be very respectful, I would tell him why he, I think he's ruined the game of basketball. Okay. And that that that's I don't care if he listens or not. It that doesn't matter to me. So. Uh, I know there's a lot of Steph Curry fans, and they can take shots at me all they want. I don't care. It's it's what the way I look at the game. Yeah, cornhole's fun too. Yeah. Yes, I'm not bad at cornhole. Actually, pretty good. Um, 
Yeah, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, take a listen to 103.9 FM every single Saturday at 7 p.m. as we do the Weekend Crunch. It's a great show, great guest, great content. Uh, definitely, if you don't live here in New York, to listen to it on 103.9, you can hear it on iHeartRadio, uh, the LI News Radio uh, website. Uh, so uh, you can definitely tune in. Uh, tune in radio. We're on. They're on everything. So they're an FM dial. So uh, really... Uh, rocking, rocking our our show and doing the things that we do, and uh, really appreciate all the fans in the sport. And uh, somebody will be celebrating the Warriors championship on that show, <laughs> Mister Wes. Oh, who cares? I mean, seriously. Uh, speedy for in. treasure. Speedy for treasure. I, I, yeah, I, I'd vote for Speedy. I mean, if he, I would not do well needs, in a political party. He needs to shave. You. I'm not shaving or going in a political party. Nice you, try. You need to shave nope. uh, between the legs. Nope. First. Nope. Yeah, I got to shave. You know, or, or braid it or something. You know, you got to do something over there. He also says Errol for Speaker of the House. Uh, so, <laughs> Here is why Steph Curry has ruined the game of basketball. I, I wouldn't speak for any anybody or any party. I, I have no interest in doing that. I. The only thing I'd speak for, if I ran for president, I tell, you know, I, I would, I would try to fix all the disgusting things that are going on in the world that people don't talk about. Yeah. So it's, I think the world is in a sham right now, and you know that's why I don't get into politics and religion and any of that stuff because it, mm. it bothers the hell out of me. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, thank you to all the fans that listen to us, uh, to our new uh, new network that has us. Well, what, what's the company called? I'm sorry. Uh, they are they are t- uh, Tingboro TV out of Tingboro, Massachusetts. Shout out to all the fans that listen uh, that have started listening to us. Continue listening to us. Uh, we will get into Boston uh, sports as we uh, as next week. We'll we'll probably ring into the Celtics and what they need to do in the off season right. and the Boston Bruins who could have a new coach by the end yeah, of the Yeah, you think next Barry Trotz is yeah, going I there? I do. Huh? I All believe right. Barry Trotz will be the next uh next uh NHL Boston Bruins head coach. Thank you, Carl. Uh, but I, I I just I see the world different and I see sports different in my eyes and unfortunately when you when you look at the game and some of these broadcasters I think they they wear their heart on their sleeves. I don't I speak from I, I do speak from my heart, but I I speak from my my feelings to what I've seen and where where I think the games are transitioning into, politically, and spiritually. Carl says I just think the Cubs just lost again. Ha 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 ha. Wow. Yeah, that means they'll probably be trading somebody next week. Yeah, maybe you almost traded somebody to the Yankees because maybe. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's it. We'll be back next week. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.